Hey guys, how you living? You doing well? Good. Glad to hear that. Just answering. I'm always with the questions people can't answer. I do that all the time. Same way every time. <coughs> Excuse me. Brother Tommy is here. We just talked about all sorts of good things in the world of music and new ventures that he's embarking in his own life and things and reasons of why he is doing such things and uh, invites you to come and check him out at Hair Trends in the Food Line Plaza off of Mink Avenue in Merle's Island, South Carolina. Come on down and get your hair did. Get your hair dyed, fried, and laid to the side. And the uh, immortal words of Bernie Mac. <laughs> but uh, talked about a lot of cool shit. Uh, he suggests that you listen to Nico Case, anything, any album by Nico Case, and Robbie Folks, F-U-L-K-S, Let's Kill Saturday Night. Listen to all of these good things because you won't find them elsewhere unless you listen to them here under that platform. Did I say that right? Does it make sense? Who cares? Anybody listening? Good. Good. Keep hitting subscription. Keep hitting subscribe to the YouTube page. Y'all, we had over 600 downloads last week. I don't know how that happened or who is out there listening to all of these things that I'm saying, but I want to let you know that I truly appreciate it, and I love you. I do. I don't throw those words around a lot, but I do love you. I truly do. End of story. All right. Go to the Facebook page. Hit follow on Instagram. Hit follow on Twitter. Stay up to date with all the things. We have a Patreon page that I'm posting everything to now. Go to patreon.com if the good Lord has laid it on your heart to donate anything to the cause over a monthly, uh, like a monthly commitment, then by all means, please do that at the Patreon account. And I'll be posting all of this stuff there. So it'll basically be just like the Facebook page. But if you want to, you know, help us out monetarily a little bit, there's an option for you to do that. So that being said, I think that's all I got for you in the intro world. Jeff Thomas, brother Jeff Thomas, is going to be on the podcast either tomorrow, Monday, or Tuesday at 1 o'clock. And that is going to be, we're going to be talking about comics and comedians and joke theft and all sorts of fun things. And obviously we're musicians, so there's going to be music involved as well. So be excited for that. That's going to happen soon. Uh, Yeah, stay tuned for that. That's all I got for you. So anyway, without further ado... Episode number 81, people. Episode number 81. We've made it 81 episodes already. Can you believe that shit? That's pretty insane. Episode number 81 featuring Tommy Tipton, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy, motherfuckers. But, yeah. Mm. Are we on? Oh, yeah, we're on right now. Okay, we're rolling. We're on right now. All right, howdy. Uh, I'm sorry. I was. I was. We 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 were, we were already rolling, but oh, cool. but yeah. I know that it looked like I wasn't paying attention. I was. I'm just very. No, 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 that, well, that's why I was just. I'm just chatting, you know. But I didn't know that you, we were we were taping and rolling. But oh yeah, we're good to go. Yeah, awesome. All right. So you were saying that. I mean, it was life events and all that that you know, changing, you know, changing directions, doing other things. I mean, going and you know, but, um, it's still it, there's there's that reinvention where you're. I'm, yeah, I'm still a drummer, but I'm also here. I mean, and, you know, it's like I feel like people had to. I've had to prove myself as a hairstylist, yeah. being a professional drummer for 30 years on this beach, you know. And it's like Tommy Tipton, the drummer. Tommy Tipton, the hairstylist. Hairstylist? Did you say hairstylist? You know, I mean, I'm getting a lot of that, you know. And and uh, you come out of school, yeah. 
hands-on experience. That's what made me think of this whole thing. You said that a minute ago, but before you could build a good clientele, you've got to be a good hairstylist. And you don't come right out of 1,500 hours a good hairstylist. I mean, I joked yesterday and said I had to botch a couple of colors and jack a couple of haircuts to be able to get good. You know, I mean, there's the same as bombing a couple gigs. You know, you, yeah. you got you to do it to, you know, cut your teeth. Right. You have to pay. And that's what they call paying your dues. Oh, you absolutely. Know, the humility that you feel with that. Oh, my God. You know, did I make a bad mistake doing this? I mean, I've gone through all of that, man, you know, and up at night and like. I've gone through that that caused me to keep one leg in the drum world. Yes. Know? I mean, I didn't come out of hair school and plan on joining a pretty full-time band, you know, and I had said a couple of times, it's a miracle that I didn't get offered this that, that gig that was as busy as it ended up being, you know. Yes. While I was in school, because that would have really probably fucked with my head. And I would have been For like, sure. You know, here's where do I want to go now? Because it was every bit as professional of a gig, having the management in Vegas. It wasn't a bar band. You know, it was a, here's our management company. And they had a, actually, there's sort of a six degrees of separation from the whole Legends organization. Yes. From Perfect World. You know, they had this production thing and it's all on that street in Vegas. I, I picture music, music row of Vegas. You know, it's like all these producers and yeah. entertainers and their offices. And and they had a tie to Legends. So I kind of felt like I was working for the enemy. You know, coming out of Legends, going to hair school, and now I'm taking the gig with you know, I felt like I was working for Perfect World Entertainment and their franchise of the Spasmatics. And I have left the Spasmatics. And that is official. It's official. <clears throat> this was my weekend. Everything is, you know. So in case in case somebody didn't listen to the last episode where you broke right. down what the Spasmatics were, yeah. catch, catch uh, current listeners up on how, how the Spasmatics work. This was news to me. One reason that even enticed me into it, you know, I was starting off at hair, you know, yeah. and, and it's, everybody says three to five years before you really know what you're doing and really building clientele that's going to stay with you for the 15, 20 years that, you know. So I get presented with this, this band based out of Charleston that were a franchise band. I mean, there's Perfect World Entertainment in Vegas. They have a list of bands that they sort of franchise out all over America. I mean, there's a Vegas spasmatics and Nashville spasmatics, San Francisco, Orlando, and this was spasmatics SC, you know, Charles, and they're based out of Charleston. And so, you know, it's genius really. I mean, I wish I would have thought of this. Here's a management company. They have, I mean, they've got like the eighties metal band and a bunch of them kind of scattered out. They've got yeah. the yacht rock band now that's really big. And there's a few of them and they wear, they all wear the same thing. I mean, people would come up to us in Hilton Head and be like, I saw you guys in Vegas. You guys are the best, blah, blah, blah. You know, we'd be like, oh, yeah, man, that was a terrible load-in. I remember that place. <laughs> it wasn't us. That was the Vegas Phasmatics. But we all wore yeah. the horner and glasses and the headband and the ties and the neck brace and all that. You know, if you look at what that then, Spasmatics were in 80s. Video kill the radio star. I wonder if all the spasmatics do that. Like they, they're all just like, yeah, that oh, was I'm awful. Sure. We've met some of the other ones. There was a San Francisco guitar player that his parents lived in Hilton Head, had retired and moved to yeah. Hilton Head. Imagine that, you know. And who does that? <laughs> I know. Is a, that a normal thing? N- never see that really yeah. around here. But so he was here visiting his parents and saw yeah. spasmatics at you know the Poseidon rooftop. So this dude shows up, you know, and he's, he tells the door guy, gets to us, you know, hey, there's, and we hang out with him on the breaks. It was, it was interesting meeting another spasmatic, sort of a fraternity brother, yeah. you know, and 
learned a lot about that, you know, about the whole perfect world, you know, entertainment and how they treat the different spasmatics across America depending on the market they're in. You know, they don't play bars. They don't do anything. It's all private events. And he basically said he plays two nights a week spasmatic gigs and is able to live okay in San Francisco. See, they must wonder what the dollars are like out there as far as... Obviously not like here. A lot more than us here. <laughs> That's what I'm guessing, you know. Yeah, one one would think. So what was it that led to your ultimate stepping away from spasmatic world? Yeah, man, this is going to be crazy to say, and this is where I needed your podcast to talk about this. Well, because it's all you your friend. story, man. Me and you have a something in common here and, there, yeah. and it is going sober oh absolutely. not drinking and i watched alcohol enter the band i was in the band about two and a half years and mm-hmm. i left for a few months when and, and last year and came back in right after new year's for this year and i'd left a couple months before new year's and they had another full time i mean there's always been another fill-in drummer another guitar player i mean there's two or three members for this band to cover like i never played florence that was the other guy that lived on up there and he covered those gigs and that's easier it's easier and you know you have the nucleus which was the singer and the guitarist and that they wanted to play they want to do this for them. i mean they'd be playing every night of the week if they could yeah and that was what was happening they were getting busier but it was all of a sudden I found myself in some bars that I never thought that I would be playing again. That environment, you know, just rough honky tonks, places I Old felt. Honks. Um, yeah, just <clears throat> no stage. You're in the corner. People are right up on top of you. You know, I mean, there's no backstage. You're changing in your car, you know, and people are walking by and I'm putting on the, you know, cl- clip yeah. on, my clip on tie and my <laughs> <laughs> you know, plaid shorts, you know. But I mean, it was it was going, hmm, you know. I thought I was kind of, I thought I was in something that, you know, when we were playing, it was contracts. It was professional. We had backstages. All that stuff was already agreed. Yeah. We had a. You're a certain, you're not your average band. Right. At any other rate. Right. And I, and I see that as another yeah. artist, you know. You know exactly what I'm yeah. saying here, you know. And I mean, some people probably won't quite understand that. But this thing was being run more like a theater show that I had left. Yeah. But I said, wow, they figured out a way to market a theater show in clubs and music farms and wind jammers and this. Hello. (laughs) Um, But they had to find a way to take a show. You know, I mean, it was all we were all playing the same. That's the other thing. Their production company, Perfect World. So all of the spasmatics, what keeps the consistency with all of the ones over America are the tracks that we play too? Like I ran the iPad behind the stage or a iPod. I mean, it was yeah to line out. You know, click track, backing tracks, and two channels. We got the click. Everybody's in here. Yeah, the audience gets the oohs and ahs and the keyboards and the aha part. Yeah, exactly. You know, we'd look around. Oh, dude, there's a great new version of that that they did, by the way. It's kind of acoustic. He never hits the high oh, note, but it's God. good. Yeah, I've seen that. I went looking for the high note. Yeah, me too, the whole time. And at the end, he repeats it and he's like, oh, here it comes. And it's like, nope, never. But anyway. Same thing. But, you know, rather than hide behind it, and there was another 80s band here locally, I won't say their name, that kind of slammed us really hard for using backing tracks. But my defense was like, okay. Let your drummer play 100% of the night with click tracks in his ear and keep it together. Never get off of it and keep all those tracks together and everyone play those tracks together in the ears and then tell us we're not talented. 
Yeah, that's the difference. I will say for people who are not musicians who are not aware of this, that's the actual difference between you guys and the rest of us. Is like there are click tracks Every involved in your live show, and there's another there's another couple of drummers that I know that play with a click track. Mm-hmm. And, and, but you're seeing it more now. You know, it's becoming yeah. more standard practice. Which you know, yeah, exactly. And that, but that is the difference in between because most of I, I will say I think a hundred percent of the bar bands that that play in my the circle that I'm in, zero percent of those people use a click track. I would almost guarantee that. It's crazy. I mean. Even for me, in a situation that I was going into to fill in for someone or something and didn't yeah. have a, an ability to take my in-ears or my little mixer, it was just going to be a hassle. He already had the wedge and the drum box back there. I at least had my little beat, my drum machine or doctor beat, you know, and yeah. with the count-offs, you know. Okay, this is a slow country watch, you know. I mean, your adrenaline's going and everything, and so I at least could just hit that thing and get a couple of four counts, watch the light, get yeah. the tempo in my head. Turn it off, and I'm not playing to it because I've got earplugs in at that point. Yeah. You know, and and I think that's what you did at that uh, crooked floor gig we yeah. did that time. Yeah, just some of the tempos, man. I mean, th- there's a huge difference I can feel with two or four BPMs and something, especially the slower it is. And, you know, yeah, and just, you, you, the slower it is, the easier it is to want to speed up, right? But and I, and that's natural too. And I get that. Uh, I played because I, when I did djembe with cornbread. I, I'll, I'll understand when it's when something's slower and then Smitty gets it too now. If something's slower, you know, you want to speed up. Yeah, take and, a deep breath and just let it set. Yeah, you know, it's the, breathing is, is is key, man. Like mm-hmm. a lot of you don't think like the 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 faster you get, the heavier you breathe. You're gonna want to you know, or vice versa. The faster you breathe, the heavier. Or the faster you play, rather. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean. I, exactly, man. I mean, and. You, you can always tell, too, that the drummer's not comfortable on a click, you know, and they'll hold the breath. I, these are things I did as I was learning yes. to do it, you know, and now I can I can spot it. You know, it's, I mean, just Take just notes. Breathe. Take notes. <laughs> just breathe. And don't think of it as a click, but think of it as a percussion player. Or I, Those backing tracks were probably as hot in my ears. I had my own little mixer back there, you know. Yeah. So I had those backing tracks as loud as I had the guitar and the bass and the drums and everything set in the mix because I kind of counted on them because now we're back to where I've tied all this in together. If some of the other guys in the band were a little tipsy, you know, had a couple, I used to could feel the difference in my internal clock after half a beer. All of a sudden I would either be chasing a click or I was like, I felt like this clicks, man, it's slow tonight. Tell that computer to speed up, man, you know, but it's your internal clock and how you see the tempo and then feel yes. that tempo to lock it in, you know, with the backing tracks that don't lie. You know, I mean, so I knew, all right, man, I started, st- I had stopped drinking at gigs before I stopped drinking, period. You know, I, that yeah. was my discipline. I was like, okay, I'm just not going to drink anymore. If I'm drumming, I cannot even have a sip of beer, you know. But after the band, you know, after the show, yeah, I yeah, had sure. a beer or something. and. 80 shots of fireballs and not, not I never did. That'd kill me, man. But a few though, <laughs> but you know, if the other guys in the band got off of the click in the night and it felt a little sluggish, I could kind of bring them down and pump up the musician that I knew was going to be dead on that click, which was the backing tracks, the keyboard parts and the oohs and the ahs. Yeah. And that helped me approach it musically and not like a tech, 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 you know, somebody playing a cowbell on you. Yeah. That's so annoying. You know? 
So there's do ways you, to, you know. Now, when I used to have to play to a click track, I would always request that it be cut in half. Yeah. I can For see some that. reason, that helped me. Singer. Well, I well, I, this mean? was this was with drums. Oh, okay, okay. This was with drums. Like it, it helped me for some reason to be cut in half because having that, it just it it, it made me focus too much on it because I have really bad ADD. Once I get focused on that, I lose focus in this. So if it's happening less rapidly, right, right. Like a, put an accent on your one. Too, and then every, then you always know where the one is. Well, uh, also, I'll feel like the crowd can hear what I hear. Mm. I'll feel I have that I have that weird thing. Right, right. I feel like the crowd hears what I hear, so I'll be counting on the crowd hearing that. So if that's doing something that I would normally do here, right. I would then not do that because this is doing that. Ah, uh, got you. Okay. So cutting it in half, sense. cutting it in half, even gave me a different style. That's you know, great, man. That's I'm a great moving, tip for someone. Yeah, that's... because I'm moving differently than I normally would have. Mm-hmm. And and it sort of gives it that Stuart Copeland like offbeat right, or right. Death Cab for Cutie weird it, weirdness. It could about have it. interfere with a grace note too if you're a pick. If that thing's yeah. got more notes going, it's going to pick up something that you might would. You know the the. Oh yeah, absolutely. So anyway. I try to mute that every time I take it because this <laughs> thing clinks around a bunch of ice. I thought you were getting ready to burp really loud or something. I was going to be like, oh, yeah, no. man, let her rip. Oh no, but uh. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I could click tracks like drove me crazy though. I, I, uh, yeah, man, I love them. That's I, so that's so strange. But here's my prediction. But you're 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 an odd in our group of people. Like you oh, you yeah, you totally. you're not you are not. Uh, no 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 no. And I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm saying that in, in as as complimentary way as I can. Oh. You there's not many like you in our. Oh shucks. I'm telling oh, you, man. Oh, I played with this. Keep fool. going, man. Keep going. No. <laughs> <laughs> you make me laugh, man. That's what, it's, that's it's, what it's all about, man. It's all about laughter, man. Right. But anyway, you were saying I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh no, that was that was an awesome tip, man. I mean, click tracks and just being you know locked into the one member that's not you know veering from that click because yeah. that could kind of take you. Somebody could take you off of the click if you let them very easily. I mean, there's been a bunch of times that I mind fucked my way through a part. Sorry, yeah. I mean this is no, you're good. You were good because somebody got off or something turned around and you're just like holy. Sh-. Then there's the one, yeah. and you're never so happy to find that one and everybody's back on, you know. And you can fluctuate around if nobody's on. If there's not a click track, you can jam it out. Okay, look back. Okay, here it is. But the computer don't lie, you know. I mean, exactly. Those oohs and ahs and in the middle of a chorus or something, you know, it'd be like, what, you know? It really takes the. It's it's like, have you ever seen a picture of these people with with perfectly symmetrical faces? Yeah. How how strange they look. Yeah, yeah. That's what music in a click track does. It's just something that it's like the human element, the human, yeah, the human element provides error in things. And when that error is taken away, it does something that you like, you can't help but be. It's man. I've got so many theories about this though, because I say, I love the click. I love the click on a gig like that or a gig like legends where. Oh, that's, that's, that's why you guys are next level because you can perform at that. If I were going to go and do yeah, a rhythm and soul blues and we're just going to cover a bunch of old Motown and stacks and stuff like that, you think I'm going to go through and bother setting up a click and all that? I mean, I'll use a metronome to make sure to get those counts, but then that thing gets cut off and we're live. You know, no yeah. click. We're walking the tightrope, you know, with no net. That's and, so fun. 
And I like that best. That's what I want to come back. That's what I'm going to do now that I'm not playing full time and I'm focusing 100% of my professional energy on hair. That's the big yeah. announcement. You know, uh, what, Tommy's? I'm going to take a huge step out of all of that. Three sets, playing. I'm, I don't even know that I'm going to – I'm not putting myself out there even to be Mr. Feeling Guy, you know, Mighty Mouse anymore. You know, it's like, nope, I can't. Friday night I'm going to hang out with my daughter and we're watching Napoleon Dynamite, you know. Right on. And – but I've got to compensate that. So I'm – the spasmatics were so busy that I, d- I was doing hair half part-time. You know, three days a week, four days a week was a full week for me to do hair. Yeah. Know? And now I'm going to do five, you know, Monday to Friday and, and more – you know, be there consistency and not have to chase the money gigs. Yes. You know, and when I play now, I'm going to pick and choose exactly what I've wanted to do. You know, I miss my velvet underground tribute. You know, that's been the most fun thing that I've felt the, you know, in years we had that thing, you know, the tribute to Lou Reed. And I mean, 45 Lou Reed and velvet underground. R.I.P. Lou Reed. God, that catalog's deep, man. You know, a lot of stuff there. Yeah. But everybody only knew Walk on the Wild Side was the only song. That, oh, I love that song. Sweet Jay. 39 more songs. And like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That one kind of <laughs> happened. Not everywhere, though. I mean, so surely they'll know Sweet Jane. Though. Oh, yeah. Rock and roll? Oh, hell no. You know. Ah, man. Lou Reed. Perfect day? Not even. You know. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I, I'm sort of ashamed that I don't know more than I do because I think mm. all I know is Wild Side and Sweet Jane. Trans, man, Transformer, um, all the vel- early Velvets, man. And even that period of the Velvets when, look, all conversations end up back at the, the Velvet Underground or Grand Parsons. Any conversation you're ever in is going to end up with. So yesterday, last night we played this gig. Sorry, the, the, put a mental mental bookmark there because I have to, I have to say this. This is the last, fun stuff. Yeah, last night I did this gig at a uh, uh, Boardwalk Billy's with with uh, Chip Harrelson. You know Pork Chop. Yes. So I did a gig with Pork awesome Chop, bass player, man. Yeah, he, he, with a golden voice. Mm, yeah. With, yeah. with like great harmonies, we do Beatles songs, and it oh. sounds just like them. Mm. Like I don't know why. I know Isabel says don't don't sing with a fake British accent, but when you got Pork Chop Harrelson, oh man, totally sing with a British accent, you know, dude. I I do that when I do Beatles songs, and I if 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 he's singing for some reason, I just put on a little bit to make it sound extra Beatlesy, and and why not? Because it's awesome, but. Anyway, I said, we're going to do some California country. We were going to do Buck Owens. Mm-hmm. And somebody in the crowd yelled, Graham Parsons. <laughs> I mean, okay, that too. I mean, what are you going to do about Graham Parsons there? Because I like I don't know Graham any. Parsons, but I love some Graham Parsons. I don't know any. I am not familiar with Graham Parsons at all. There's not a whole lot there. I mean, it's, it's easy to... I laugh, man. Every musician I know, they go through, and I mean, they go through the Grand Parsons and the Americana period, yeah. and then you know, the, I'm thinking of the Asteroid Number Four right now, and they made, they were psychedelic, you know, Philly, Brian Jones, Sound Massacre, and then made a country record, you know, and I happened to get to know those guys during their country record, and was the one year I lived in Philadelphia, and I hung out with them fellas, man, and awesome, awesome band, killer, deep catalog, and '99 percent of their records are just you know beachwood sparks real psychedelic you know beach yeah. boys influenced you know and really killer big production records on a low budget and then they have their country record <laughs> <You know? laughs> and they were singing with they were singing with fake country accents 
you know, and, and Southern Twang. You talk to Scott, and he's like, hey, Tommy, well, what's up, buddy? And he's like, well, tomorrow, you know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so now, hmm. I wonder, is, is country music where artists always go to just, just if you want to sell a shitload of records real quick? Uh, and I'm not saying that's what they did. No, I mean, today just, with the modern, I mean, how it many? It seems like everybody does a country album. Yeah. Well, they find that rootsy sound. And to me, I always joke and smile. They go, Tommy, you like country music? And I'm like, yeah, I love, you know. Real country Real music. Real country music. Now yes. does Exile on Main Street count as a country record? And I would say yes, you know, and yeah. that's country to me. I mean, Graham was there during the writing of that record, you know, and that was his Keith it's Keith Moon heroin days. Yeah. And <laughs> that was what ultimately killed him, you know. But I love Graham Parsons and there was a two years, three years that I was obsessed with that stuff. And I, you know, I went to everything that was associated with it from Lee Hazelwood to all the stone stuff to yeah. burrito brothers and the birds. I love the birds, man. The weird birds though, like the untitled, you know, and when Clarence White, with any of this stuff. And I think you may have mentioned this last time and I totally was like, yeah, I really need to listen to that. Clarence and I'd have White. It. Clarence White, man, the guitar that's who from the birds yeah well he was with the birds but he was also clarence white you know the bluegrass guy but he reinvented the b-bender to get that Mm. that he and uh gene parsons no relation was i was all around that california it was all during that period when graham parsons was in california doing the whole join the birds for sweetheart the radio and then they had to take his voice out and then they re-released. That's what we were talking about. And then they reissued it with Graham's yeah. vocal back in there, and you got the full magic of what the uh, sessions were. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Yeah, I, I feel embarrassed when I get get people to ask me to play songs that I just know that I should know. People ask for uh, America oh, it's never ending, all the time. You, you can't know every song unless you're a tattoo slover, but he's even weirder than any of us. But, <laughs> and he knows every song. <laughs> he, yeah, I know. He played with us one night at Wild Horse. We had uh, Cameron and Gentry yeah, that's uh, right. played with Cornbread uh-huh. one night, and then Tat showed up and was like, man, I'll just bring the keys in, and it was just like a he is fucking jams. Just unbelievable. One of my favorite musicians on the planet it would be Tat Slover, man. If I had to say, I mean, he's he's there, man. Unbelievable talent. Like, and he's funny. Yeah. Funny. One of the yeah, funniest dudes is. I've ever known, man. But so anyway, hair envy. I, I, got, just, I just took I got four it. inches off. I got off. his hair envy. <laughs> I just cut his hair, actually. Really? <laughs> it might be time. I got a, I got a little bit. His ends, man, were there. It's I, like I, I'm gonna tell you what I told him. This this hair moment brought to you by Tommy Tiffany. <laughs> he, he took this, you know, four inches or so was just a frizzy mess, and his hair wasn't growing at that point. Those ends were just splitting yeah. on up, man, like a banana peel, you know, and and was stopping the growth of his hair. And I cut all that stuff off, and I mean, and I saw him the next day, and his hair was down to his ankles. No, I mean, but his hair, his hair will grow now, though, healthier. Yeah, it will well, grow again. You know, you trim those ends and. Yeah, dude, he, his, his hair is like easily twice as long as mine. <laughs> twice as tall as I am. He had to, you know, it was stand up or I kind of like sit down, you know, crisscross applesauce yeah. and cut his hair like a hippie, you know, and that's and, no, I got on my knees, but yeah, yeah, I yeah, felt yeah, weird yeah. being on my knees in front of tattoos. <laughs> 
<laughs> as one should. It was a little odd for me, but no as way. one should. <laughs> <laughs> but you do, yeah. I, I don't understand, and I know a lot of songs. Like I have a pretty impressive mental catalog, and just yeah, there's just so much that I don't know. I get asked for America all the time, and I feel like ashamed as an acoustic band. Oh yeah, we should know horse with no name, or, oh, or you know, or a horse named Sugar, or yeah, or other songs about <laughs> animals. <It's, laughs> we should know stuff like this. I should know some Lou Reed. I should know, know more Little Feet. You should know more Lou Reed, man. No, <sighs> You can yeah. never know too much. You can never learn all of Lou Reed, man. That's the thing. I mean, we covered a whole night with a with a Lou Reed Velvet tribute band, and not even play all the songs that we had on the list, you know. And, and dude, that's great. I love that. How often do you do that? Never anymore. We tried well, to pull. We wanted to do it. At, there was talk about doing a thing at the Chili Cookoff, and it it stopped, and and for various reasons. But they kind of wanted to go. That morphed into the envelopes. Which I, my one of my favorite top local bands ever, you know, and it's Trey from the Drag and Taylor and J Duff and, and uh, AJ. Yeah, I've seen that. They're so good, man. I've seen that advertised somewhere. That's a great band, and the Harvest too, or what they're called Ocean's Forest now, or something like that. That was another great local band, man. Was that Ocean's Orange? No, that was a different. That's a different one, isn't it? That's. I've played with those Audie, guys before. Audi, Audi, Audi. Yeah, Audi. We've played. We did a gig with those guys once. I can't remember where, but yeah, they do all originals, which is a, a very admirable. And yes. I, I, I don't think I, I heard them, but I think we were just at the same place once. Like we, there was there was overlap on our, or we got out of there right before they started playing. I think, but. Well, yeah. you know, I mean, you can do that. That's admirable. Very admirable people to do just They rhythms. all have jobs that aren't playing music, you know? I mean, that's they, they all do other things for their income and their livelihood, and then they can they treat the, the treating the music like 100% art, and it's a create. They get together in the warehouse, you know, or the rehearsal space. I say they, but, I mean, that scene. Yeah. There's two worlds. There's make a living, hustle, musician, take any gig on the books. Yep, yep, yep. And then there's... You know the envelopes, you know, and and I think that Velvet Underground thing may have been coming a little close to this world because we would go and we, when yeah. you play all night at the pit, and you know what the pit is, every, yeah. no matter who's playing, and you're up there doing really deep cut Lou Reed, and everybody's wearing leather jackets and black turtlenecks and sunglasses and fuzz psychedelic mayhem. I mean, yeah. the her, you know, twenty minute heroin and everything else. People having dinner at the pit pit with their kids thought it was a little wild. I'm sure. I mean. You know, that's what you do, you know, and just this mayhem going on, you know, through the big psychedelic yeah. parts and then come back in with, you know, walk on the wild side, you know, and we're that we were doing our thing, but it was being, but doing those slots that the Winchesters would have likely played or paperwork or whoever. Yeah. And it was, it was an interesting collision of the two worlds, you know? So, uh, that's probably why I loved it. Yeah. That's, that's. That's what I was gonna gonna get to as well. Is like when you when you get to situations like that, how often do you step away from the set list? Well, you can kind of play it. I mean, we got a couple of times at the pit, and it found that it was really cool that we opened up the whole night. Okay, so you're sitting there having dinner, and, yeah, and we would kind of come from around the corner. We treated it like we tried to actually say, okay, this, if you were going to see the Velvet Underground with Lou Reed, 
How would they we do it? We had the psychedelic lights behind us. We had the little white lights from the ground, and the, yeah. we did rope lights, and and had an intro, you know, which was like that the weird. Um, when the, I can't even think of the name of the song now. How dare I? <laughs> <laughs> but the um, shiny, shiny boots of leather. Um, uh. I can't. I'm gonna get. I'm, I'm gonna watch. This part's gonna drive me crazy now. If I watch this, I'm gonna get this part and be like, "You dummy!" It's yeah. This song. <laughs> just, just try to channel yourself from the future. I'll think of it in a minute. I'll, we're just move. We'll move right along. But anyway, we would come out and do this big psychedelic yeah. Blue Reed Velvet Underground show, and we started finding that we could open up with "Walk on the Wild Side." We'd just come out and then just start real soft. Yeah. You know, that bass comes in and it was beautiful. It was like, wow, what a way to build the night. And then we would close with 25 minute long heroin, you know, which was the big jam and this crazy. I mean, that's good. You rope them in with sugar. That That's the way that I that's the way that I, I, I win a room over. Mm-hmm. You win a room over by giving them something that they like and showing them that you're willing to do something that, you know, is is below your pay grade i guess i would say you know it's like somebody comes up and they're like okay i want to hear this very popular leonard skinner song that everybody else does and let's say i've had a hard time with this room so far and i want to see that tip jar fill up i get it i'm gonna do the one skinner song that they asked for mm-hmm. but or the zach brown one or the um the other one too the i'm not gonna do the other one i'm not gonna do the other one i've not I've, I've i've not done that one for a long time we'll do that one two okay. or three times a year just just okay. because but it's a we it's have a, a t- great inside song. joke right now we know what we're you know we're having a yeah. little laugh here but but I we know it. exactly what we're <laughs> we know exactly what we're talking about and if and you should too but it's it's yeah well, I'll do it but two or three times a year because one we do it really well uh-huh. and two it's it's good to be able to say we can do this song like this and choose not to right yeah awesome you know and and uh, but yeah I'll give them that one song but then later on I'll say okay here's some John Moreland uh-huh. here's some Jason Isbell. Uh, you know, yep. I will give them some like, listen to this. Here's a Michael Kiwanuka song. Give and take. We'll play what you want. Now listen to what we want to play. And that's yep. a great, yep. awesome way to go at it, man. Uh, you've you've figured out. Yep. Yeah, that's what it's all about, man. Is finding, them in with sugar. finding your little niche of how to do this crazy thing called the, the music business. You know, yep. I mean, whatever your little way, every, it all works together. We're all related. The biggest producer in Nashville, Tennessee, and us are all related by a common thread and Absolutely. that is music you know we do music for a living he makes a gazillion dollars a minute and i make you know yeah right <laughs> you know I mean? well i don't know had the music modernization act been signed uh, see, when I, don't you were know, here last? I don't know enough about that i've okay. been kind of so this bill that was signed into 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 con well the you know what I mean. Uh-huh. This bill that was signed recently, I think it was. I'm pretty sure that, that this has been since the last time yeah, we talked. Yeah, it has. It has. It, dude. It takes the money out of a lot of the record companies' hands and puts 
a good bit of it back into the songwriters and the working the the hired guns mm-hmm. and the studio the, guys they're finally getting they're paid finally on the getting end. paid on the back end <laughs> and this and this is counting for spotify they're they're they're, they're right. more accurately uh adjusting spotify pay mm-hmm. and different streaming things because there's these things like streaming farms overseas that are just literally rooms with thousands of iPhones connected and there are certain companies that will pay these rooms to stream certain albums on all these iPhones that are in one room to generate streams for certain artists to boost their numbers. And that shit is serious. That is theft. That is grand theft. Mm. My question now, so they've, there's a law that's going to catch everybody up on the pay, but how, if it got that far before anyone even knew how to change it, like, how do you stop it or keep up with it? How much worse can it, where does it go from here now? It'll be, it'll be like the, absolutely. It'll be like the pirate bay deal. There will still be things that will happen that people will obtain these things legally. It's just going to make them a little bit harder to do. It's like the day that Napster got shut down. Right. Right. And uh, a bigger scale. Yeah. It's like, okay, we'll offer you this, but now you have to pay us for it. And that's with your Amazon music. Or whatever it is, or your Spotify. Yeah, and Kelsey, shame, shame, shame. Yeah. On the record labels. Yes. For back in the day, they could have controlled all of this from day one. Sorry, I forgot to mute this time. <laughs> but they chose to say, oh, that's not going to be valid. People are always going to want to buy a product. And they yeah. let it, they gave it away. Absolutely. And they could have owned it. And it would have been, it would have been regulated and probably if, more in their favor, but it would if have they never would have got the, Yep. They would have got a leg up on this in the beginning and said, I see where the future is going. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to be having all of our albums in their pocket on their phone. Right. So... I may as well. Why not say that? Say that again. <laughs> Everybody's going to have all of their albums in, our, in their pockets on their phone. Like that's what the think of okay, that. Go ahead. Yeah, think of hearing <laughs> that. Gone. If the record companies would have would have just gotten a leg up on understanding this is where this is where the future's going. If we want to be part of this, they could have they, they, they could have all of the money. I'm glad they didn't. But, you know, I don't know all the production credits. I, I still subscribe to Tape Op Magazine, so I do know more than I would know if it weren't for that. But one thing I really hated to see the most is at everything was the total, like, concept of album art album covers yeah you know, that's that's gone now i mean you don't i don't know what this post malone have an album cover for his record that's out right now i don't know no clue i don't know and and i don't know what the new taylor swift's album cover looks like of of the one with that song on it and all that, that used to you be know, art the the shake it off song you know the yeah. song about peeing but <laughs> yeah anyhow. that'll work for 50 percent of our <laughs> listener base <laughs> Keep him interested, man. Got to keep, yeah. him, keep him hooked. What the, what's that, the hell is that guy going to say next? You know? but, <laughs> no, but, but the serious thing, just, just, Albemarle, just case, case in point, case in point, I've got Tom Segura's new uh, stand-up signed, by the way, autographed right there. Wow. It's just a picture of him and a microphone. And there I have Beastie Boys licensed to ill. Yeah. Like, 
these these differences like, and, like he just put a picture of his face with a microphone and these guys and then revolver like there's yeah. there's but we knew about the credits. I flipped over those. I could have told you at 10 years old, you know, like some of the record credits or recognize the names just from looking at the back of the Kiss Alive 1 or Kiss Alive 2 and reading yeah. all the, you know, Bob, Ezrin and all that. I mean, I knew these names from being a kid and looking at the Destroyer album cover as it was playing God of Thunder. You know, that's probably what's wrong. And rock and roll. <laughs> but we did, man. I mean, you sat down, even my teen years, even the grunge years and everything. Yeah. You still bought the record. Or CD. First thing you do, pull that tape out and just. <sighs> yeah, man, and even CDs too, though you would, uh, the, the fold out yeah. and all of that it was great. I mean, it was still of art form. You still got with an art director and said, "Okay, here's our uh, here's our listening piece. Now let's, the visual is going to be our video and our record cover." Yeah. Walk through a record store and there's the never mind, never mind with the little baby swimming, you know, and it's like. And those that's that's been killed too, along with with all of this, you know, a lot of it. And I hate that. I hate to see the death of that as much as anything, you know, the death of the yeah. album cover. Oh man, that's true. But you know what though? I think I said last time that for the first time in the history of modern music, vinyl sales outsold digital sales in Europe. Right. And. I want to think that the same will happen in America one day. Because, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people. I didn't have a huge vinyl collection a few years ago, and I do now. Yeah. And I'm there, I'm not the only one. Right. You right. know, I really want to think that vinyl is going to make a huge comeback, and that might bring back that world. And they're making them thicker now, so they're going to last longer. Like, yeah. I still have a bunch of my old records, and I have a bunch of punk stuff that was on a tiny label that I bought in 85, 86, 87. Yeah. And it's all flimsy, and you try to play it now. And, like, and I take care of my records, but it's still, yeah. you know, they just kind of, they're, you know, they didn't. They, pro- they, didn't, they didn't make them as sturdy. They didn't make them as good. And they were recycled yeah. vinyl. They were something else, you know, and they would, you know, so, um, especially these little small, in- SST and, you know, yeah. Sub Pop started off, you know, and. and but uh, you know, they're pretty thick now. One eighty grams, and their version vinyl, which are their new records being yeah. made, they putty out and smush them and do all that, which is cool. They brought jobs back to the pressing plant. That's really cool, and people are learning a trade, yeah. just pressing records. And the, those guys that when they're making the master, and you watch them, and they're like really close with that light, and they have to do it so precise. I mean, that's cut, it's like taking the razor blade and cutting the tape, like yeah. just edit, you know, and that's. Art. Man, that is crazy art there. That's man. art. That's detailed. Yeah. No it's repair. so damn expensive, too. Have you ever looked into getting vinyl pressed? Yes, man. That's Gosh, what's hurting so it. damn expensive. And how much new records are. I'm, yeah. I'm looking through a lot of my old records in this price tag. I $4, left, $5. Yeah. You know? They're like 20 now. I know. Which, which is what a CD was when it was That's when they first came out. So I mean, and CDs aren't aging like they thought, man. A no. lot of CDs are all of a sudden won't play anymore. You know, and CD players too are real. I've got some CDs that will not play. Really, some CDRs. But I remember hearing yeah. a story. They had started documenting a bunch of the stuff in like the Library of Congress. They document everything, and for a long time, you can go in there and look and see the generations. You know, it's the Real, real tapes. Yeah. And DAT tape was a real big one, you know. And the v- look of VHS tape. And then the little tiny DATs, DATs, yeah. that people used to mix down to in the 90s and all that. Yeah. And then there's some CDs. And the CDs all of a sudden were not playing. So they're frantically now reforming that into other things. You know, I imagine now it's a bunch of hard drives or whatever, you know. And Oh, yeah. Everything's on hard drives now. But 
But then what, what happens when that goes? What happens when that goes? How many times have you lost every contact in your phone? Wake up and your phone's just frozen up and you've, oh, you've got that. Yeah. Yeah. Your iPhone 5 has that, that, that virus that went around. Apples don't, Apples don't get virus. Well, they, the phones do now. Yeah. He was telling me it spread. I had to get a new phone. And I said, what about all my numbers and pictures and everything that was in there? Yeah. Wow. Sorry. That sucks. I never had that happen. I've lost thousands. Jesus. You're back on Facebook going, hey, guys. Hey, I don't have anybody's number. <laughs> well, see, what happened, I've, I, I've, I've done this weird thing where I used to always get every single contact I've ever had in my phone transferred to the next phone. Yeah. And I, I've done that every single time. And somehow I still have them all. And I remember one time I I went a couple of phones like where I was getting my number changed a lot. And I finally got the number that I have now mm-hmm. and I've had for a while. And I I just, I don't know, I, I put in my information from when the, I had my very first iPhone 3. The old school iPhone, I put my information from back in then. It booted every single contact that I had from that phone. Yeah, it was like an iPod. <laughs> there was. I mean, it was yeah. thick. All that old it, stuff yeah. about there was thick. They we were talking like it was like years ago. Yeah, I found that. that. I found that iPhone on the ground in the parking lot of Buffalo Wild Wings in North Myrtle Beach. And despite. Despite my good nature telling me to call mom in that phone and say, I found this phone. I kept that bitch in jail, broke it. And and you know what happened? I was I was on my way to my house to watch Lost with a few people. I had a Lost watch party. It was back then when oh, Lost man, was just, still yeah, on TV. Piss me back to that time. I know. All right. I'm, yeah. What were you doing? So uh, I was I was on my way back to my house watching Lost, texting my girlfriend on this on this phone, and I rear-ended this guy. Uh, like I rear-ended the shit out of karma this guy, really and as soon as it happened, I was holding this phone, and I was like, oh. Ever since that instant, I have looked at karma as something that is a real That living. was your lesson. That was the point where you were supposed to learn. You'll never do that again, will you? I mean, it's like you think of every, you approach everything differently now. I wasn't wearing a seatbelt, dude. I, oh I, God, I, I, I like ate shit on the windshield. And oh, my God, man. Like this dude, this dude. All for an iPhone 3. <laughs> all for an iPhone 3. All for an iPhone 3, the original iPhone. Things we do for an iPhone. By the way, kids, the original iPhone was the iPhone 3. <laughs> Heads up. Uh, I And I was like, you know what? Karma got me on this one. But I'm fine. Yeah, my face was all messed up, dude. My, uh, dude, I, I've got like, it, it's, it's, I'll show you pictures in a little while, but oh, hey, I got this. <laughs> but yeah, see, this is coming at me now too. It's like hearing my story and it's coming after me. It is, man. That one follows you around. That's- anyway, talking about the, I didn't mean to derail we your, your conversation with the iPhone there, there but but you you how many times have you lost all of your contacts in your phone? If all of that stuff that they've backed up on whatever hard drive or whatever orifice they're putting it on. <laughs> Orifice. Do you like the use of that word in that 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 uh, situation? It works. I just picture I picture him like with the clear thing and they're writing on the wall like those commercials, you know, and they're using their finger. Yeah. And all the. I mean, I just Tony Stark. 
That stuff scares me, man. I mean, anything that's running, I always joke and say, well, as long as our as long as our electrical grid in the United States can hold up, and all of this stuff, you know, and that's why even when they were like, oh, cars are going to go all electric, I'm going. I hope our electrical grid can handle all this because yeah. I watch all that stuff too. And I mean, I think that's a serious kind of scary thing, you know, like a solar flares or anything weird that could happen. But look at all the weird shit that's happened, man. I mean, let's go natural events and stuff. I mean, I don't even want to go down all that, but I mean, but it is, we're living in some crazy times and I'm sure every Absolutely. generation says that, but we're living in the craziest times of my 40 plus almost 50 years on earth. And I feel like the last five, six years have been like, Ooh, we switched into another gear here and we're in a yeah. different era. We're in a different phase. Well, I last time my new age friend, what's that called? The planets and Mercury retrograde. Yo, we're <laughs> Mercury retrograde. Oh yeah. The constant. We're in, we're in, you know, like chronic Mercury retrograde, you know, but these king tides. Ah, man. It looked like Hurricane Matthew down in Paula's Island, man. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, roads and the, the, the beach itself and the big chunks of sand dune. Just, I'm going. Did another hurricane hit? It looked like yeah. it, man. It's crazy. That's so insane. It's yeah. it's almost like, just like we were just saying, it seems like Earth is dealing its karma. I've said, man, I said, Mother Nature is kind of pissed at us, you know. I mean, just yep. that we're not respecting. I mean, it's a, oh, man, here we go. I'm going to go there. I, shit, man, go there. I, I wear my leather jacket so I would have, this is like my Superman go there. cape, man. Go there. We've got, in Mount Pleasant, they have passed some kind of ordinance. I don't know exactly the, the, the nuts and bolts and greasy ends of it, but it's some so, kind of let's halt development for a minute and let everybody catch our breath. We don't, because there's a clear lot doesn't mean we need to tear down every tree and see how many houses we can put on that little clear lot. Versus yeah. my generation was like, let's buy a big lot and leave a bunch of trees and put a really cool house and have this huge yard and backyard. Yeah. That used to be the dream, but now it seems like, you know, but I see how many people we can live really close to. Right. And, you know, and I could not do that, bro. I mean, it's I, all finances. It's all driven by money and greed and power and realtor and cut, build, sell and resell. And I mean, it's the developer real estate mindset. And I get it. That's what it is. It's, yeah. you know, driven by money. I want that Mercedes. I want that huge house and I want to retire at 40 and only do real estate. You know, and they, they, they it, it's like watching that real estate show that used to come on with the three lawyer, the three, three L.A. real estate. It was one of those like, you know, uh, property, kind of yeah. property, something. One, one of those, you know, yeah. but it was it glamorized the whole L.A. real estate salesman, you know, and just 24 and driving the Mercedes and, you know, and kick back and the girls and the nightlife. And, the, you know, that, that. and then you watch the big short and find out how they were doing all that. Yeah, right. But, I mean, I know filthy rich developers and, and real estate people in this area, you know, and I mean, yeah. we're friends, and I understand that we're all making a living, but at this point, I feel like it's almost getting, becoming a detriment to our, to what it is that we're selling here. I mean, if we go and fuck up the whole area and all of a sudden it's not a really great destination anymore, then what happens to the real estate that's already here? What's going to bring people to want to come here other than running outrunning really high property taxes up north and the weather yeah we're running away from the weather 
Well, here, let's talk about hurricanes because we have weather here, too. And apparently we have ice storms that black ice and keep you off the road for a week while it doesn't go below freezing yep. like we did last January. You know, so I mean, yep. it's getting crazy here, too. Some serious shit's happening. I never thought in my lifetime I would see the flooding and that famous DNR map man. that scared the shit out of everybody. You know, our map, man, dude. Well, I <laughs> never thought I'd see that here, you know? Yeah. You, you never think you, you'll see stuff like that when you have an, a legitimate natural Hugo, disaster. Hugo didn't do, I mean, Hugo did bad here. I remember Hugo. Yeah. Know, 48, man. I was 19 in, in 1989. I was, I remember Hugo loud and clear and what it did move houses to the middle of the road, but, but it didn't set in and flood the rivers and it's like i made a joke i was doing a haircut the other day and i said it, protocol used to be here comes a hurricane everybody evacuates if it comes too close those you know it was like the protocol yeah. you come back the hurricane's gone you clean up you hope for the best you know prepare for the worst now protocol is you go through all of that then you come back make sure everything's cool and everything and you're waiting on the floods because you know that there's tides and all that water now there's yeah. a new there's a new bad element in town the river floodings which can we've seen can happen now with a lot of rainfall. This literally could have a little something to do with some uh, maybe glaciers melting and filling up the oceans more so. I believe where there were I ice, in climate maybe change, water now. Man. I mean, I believe in climate change. I have no no political side or this or that. I believe in climate change because what I have experienced living in this area since 1972. Basically, I've moved yeah. away a year or two, but I come back here. I'm an avid surfer, so my eyes have been on that coast my whole life. I know yeah. hurricanes. I remember Hurricane David in the 70 something. You know, and coming back and seeing my dad's pier spl- split in half and going. Mother, so nature, is mother nature is a man. She's crazy. You know? yeah. And so I respected it early on. And I think that a lot of this overdevelopment that's happening, not to mention our roads are taking a toll for it. And we, we have nothing to do with that. I mean, the roads are, they've expanded and they're going as fast as they can. And yeah. I, I see that, but there's only so much you can do. You can't cut through Brooklyn gardens or Huntington. I mean, 17 is going to, be what it is forever. San, you know, Sandy Island over there, so they can't bring 31. I mean, it's going to be. So I understand. You know, I trust me. I get it. I don't know what can be done, but it, but to slow down development, man. I mean, it is like it's okay. We're full. You know, there's almost no vacancy. We've got to slow down because now, I mean, I know even what I'm seeing, man. It's like, well, there's a lot, and then a couple of days later, every freaking tree is gone off of it. Well, that used to be a sponge, and now it's yep. going to be a paved cul-de-sac. Well, where's the water going to go that used to go there? Now multiply that by hundreds. Where's that water going? Let's talk about it a couple that's months a ago. When really that interest, that's a really interesting concept. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, there, that yeah. did. The water, those, those places that they're clearing out and turning into hard hard ground where there used to be soft asphalt ground. Asphalt doesn't, doesn't soak in. Huh. Oh, there is some asphalt in Sweden or somewhere that will they pour water in and it just disappears. Yeah, yeah I've seen that. But our asphalt here is... Hard rock. Yeah, you know, water slides, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's... Right, and it, and water runs off. Hmm. We're seeing that, and I'm seeing that a lot in Polly's where they're paving a bunch of older dirt roads. It's a big war going on in Hagley right now with the road my mom's house has been on forever. has been dirt. And... Half of the people that have moved there since my mom's lived there forever 
well, this road needs to be paved. This is too much. It bumps and it bumps and this and that. And well, if they pave that road the way that my mom's yard is there, I mean, there's all of a sudden there's going to be flooding in our front yard that's never been there. You can just yeah. tell unless they do a crazy drain, but they're already supposed to have done that and didn't. Yeah. So it's like they're not going to maintain it the way that the property do it. They're just going to come through and pave it. And then everybody around there is going to pay the price with all of a sudden new flooding in their yards. But the people get their paved road. This is I'm taking the shoot first, ask questions later. <laughs> I'm going to get shot probably on my drive home. So, you know, if, if I get killed, look around my neighborhood or anybody. So, you know, just uh, I'm, I'm probably making enemies right now as I'm talking. Right? But I don't, you know. No, this is this, this is, is definitely I'm putting make- the shoot first, ask questions later to the way next level. Is just we have an issue. Let's solve this issue. We'll deal with whatever comes out of this. Because every, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Everything is okay in moderation. Yes. To, and and even having, look at how we're going to ready to tie this whole thing back around. Complete 360, man, you know. Even drinking, having a glass of wine with dinner yep. is different than having a bottle of wine before the gig and a couple of shots and a couple of beers throughout the gig. Yeah. It's different when... And and I try I don't talk about this a whole lot because I had in when I first quit drinking I hadn't quit doing other things that I was that I was doing and people saying that I was sober mm-hmm. pissed a lot of other people off so I caught a lot of heat mm-hmm. for like oh well, he thinks he's better than us because he drinks oh well he's still doing this or exactly. this yes and yes, yes. and I caught a lot of heat for that Me so I, I'm very careful about how I address these things but Me I'm too, gonna man. gonna say this. It's one thing when you are doing this leisurely, you know, and you're in at home or wherever it is you may be, you're a party, whatever it is you're doing where that kind of thing is appropriate. It's not appropriate when you're at work. And that's where we are when we're playing a gig. And and I like or or that <laughs> you know that's where <laughs> totally we are. Tricky, that's where I we are. We're playing gig. Yes. And 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 uh and Smitty's Smitty's really good about Adam drinks the whole time. But that's just Adam. He, he now he, it can work though. Hold on. I mean because different. It's different times. I mean yeah. Having I'm even going to go there. I mean I'm not even down on drinking on stage. If you're on stage playing music, here, it's not because I mean it works. I mean the country bands that would do a shot and have you know you want the pedal steel player to have a long neck bud yeah. thing and play yeah. and that's 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 not where I'm going with this. I, I my whole thing was on that kind of show. It was a show. It wasn't a band. It wasn't a bar band. You know I wouldn't have joined a bar band at the time. You know yeah. hey we play a bunch of '80s man and they send some shots up and it's cool and we're you know and. We're just getting together, jamming some Gary Newman and some cars and stuff. Yeah. You know, I prob- probably wouldn't. I would have been like, okay, but I wouldn't have given it the commitment that I gave it. But I thought I was giving my commitment to a show that was going around and playing higher end venues. I mean, if that was the yeah, way yeah. that I was going to retire from legends and not go back to playing, you know, just anywhere, everywhere for anything. And I, I witnessed. That's definitely a happy medium between the two worlds. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And, but I witnessed what I saw happen and over the span of, you know, probably two years of being in that band. Two and a half, maybe closer. I'm all kind of weird. I went, there was a, this divorce thing happened Dude, we three don't, or four years I, ago. I don't think I musicians like, have a very good concept no, of time. Yeah. It was a couple of years. <laughs> I, is, is that a musician thing? Because I'm the same. I have zero concept of time. Like, like, for yeah. me, three hours and. 
and six to seven hours are very similar and three weeks and three months are very similar in my mind. Like yeah. I don't know yeah. how to separate that. I, I struggle with that too. I think well, yeah. that was just like a week ago, but no, it was like two years ago. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. It depends right. on how your brain you're stores right. those memories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and traumatic things happen that you, you feel like it was yesterday. Yeah, like, yeah, I'll never yeah. Forget, I can put myself and feel it right now, you know? Yeah. And, but I witnessed when I was, it was never an issue. And then I saw it. You remember that Jim Brewer thing, how he says when alcohol shows up to the party? And oh, yeah. He was like, everybody out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very true. I thought of that. Had, that has been kind of going through my head recently, dealing with some. What brought the nail to the head was it, I watched it deteriorate. I saw a level go down a couple of notches and I knew exactly why and when and exactly pinpointed when it took that turn. Yeah. And I saw other life events happen that drove this person to go where I never thought I would really see that. And, and, and not judging. And he may well be watching this even, you know, if he knows I'm doing this, cause I know that it's, there was a little tense issue. I typed a resignation, went through it, you know, I did yeah. the proper channels, but I had to list why I was doing it. And it was, there was some ugly stuff, but it was true. It was truth, man. I mean, I'm 48. I'm not man. trying to start a fight and drama and oh, he's, I quit that band because asshole musical differences. I don't, you know, I mean, I was very precise of when it turned in my mind. I was driving home from a three and a half an hour gig and with the smell of beer through my car, because beer had been dumped all over my rug because there was beer on stage at a pretty high end room in Hilton Head, man. You know, I mean, an upper end nightclub. You know? Yeah. And it was one that was managed, that was handled by the management either. It wasn't a, we were, well, that, that's a whole other thing. I mean, we were apparently allowed to book some stuff ourselves, smaller, and then Perfect World would come in and book the big stuff. Like we played the polo thing out in Ravenel, yeah. and the Windjammer gigs were always Perfect World. And this Hilton Head venue was a Perfect World show, you know, and be on your best behavior, be just like the Spasmatics in Austin. You know, these people might have seen Spasmatics in Austin. Be them. And he got shitty. You know, and everybody, and I even rely on vocal cues to start the song. I mean, it was a show. It was like when he yes. said this word, I hit the play because yeah. we had to wait for a one, two, three, four. So wherever I started it, we still had four or an A count to get us into the song. So we had it all timed out. It, it was the way I viewed it, the way I yeah. ran my end of the bargain, you know. And he was fucking up, man. And I was hitting the songs wrong. And I was like, I don't know what he's doing. You know, he jumped off the stage and he's rambling and rambling to the people. And there's beer lined up across the front of the stage. They got, I saw beer just come back underneath my drums on my rug that I carry that's taped off and everything. I'm, yeah. I'm that guy, you know, and, oh, man. So I'm driving home at four that in the morning. sucks, man. Yeah. At the end of the night. He's gone. I just load my drums up. I mean, we won't wait around to get paid. We'll we'll get paid from Perfect World. I'm still waiting to get paid from that. <laughs> yeah. It takes a few weeks and then the direct deposit and all that. That level, you know? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm pissed. You know, I'm just like, man, fuck this. You know? I mean, I'm, I did not sign on to go back in. And what I think it is, 
is that we all, I t- the guitar player is one of a dear friend of mine. I yeah. love him like a brother. I've known him since the early 90s. He's very prominent, Mount Pleasant musician, owned a music store for years. I mean, he's legit. Yeah. knows We know everybody together. And I had to tell him, I said, man, I'm, I'm going to have to get out of this. I can't, I can't do this. I'm, here's a copy. I let him read the resignation letter that I sent to, you know, and I, uh, he would take a beer on stage and stick it in his thing, but it was never, never, never an issue, you know. And it, he played the role of having one Corona on stage, and that—that's the difference. Yeah. I have an issue with drinks on the floor. <sighs> I have yeah. a really big they issue get with that. Over. The girl jumps up on stage to dance for you know she's going to knock that drink over. And, and well, see, I I'm one of those people who always plan for what might happen rather than what will happen. Uh-huh. And I feel like it's, and I take, and, and I take a lot of heat for that in the band because they're like, dude, why are you, why are you like this? You know, why are you so nitpicky about stuff? And I'm like, I'm not nit, uh, I am nitpicky. You want to run it on a certain level. You know like, what the level of the show. I know your- what, listen, I know what has happened before. Mm-hmm. I know that when there are zero drinks on the floor, that there's a hundred percent chance that nothing will get kicked over and spilled. Sticky cables, pedals. That sucks because I'm so fucking, I'm so peculiar about Our guitar cables. player, same. I mean, he's got the big, huge, I mean, we were all in ear, so it affected even the rigs we played. We were able to have no, the sound man loved us, you know, loved us. I mean, yeah. we would love them but because it's low volume. There's nothing on stage but drums and small amps. I mean, and we're all yeah. here. So no wedges, which means clear pathways. Wedges can sometimes you be have a barricade. A, you, you have a pretty low drum volume. Which yeah. is which is rare. You and you and Daryl both. D- Daryl that play plays the room. in American yeah, Sound. Had to play to the room. Very yeah. very very uh, conscientious of where you are at all times, yeah, volume yeah. wise. That's so smart. That's so key for a drummer. I don't think a lot of other drummers understand how key it is to understand well, where you tip. are and to to adjust volume accordingly. Here's your tip for guys that use in ears, man, of how to play to the room. And I started doing this. The drummer that I kind of like, he's one of these session guys, you know, real busy. I mean, I don't have any of his records or, if, yeah. you know, or whatever, but Jojo Mayer, you know, Sabian and Dorsey. But he, I saw this tip that he had. He does all these drum seminars. Okay. He'll yeah. go to Guitar Center and for the, you know, on behalf. And they just, and what those guys do is take their laptop, run backing tracks, and then wow them with their drum yes. craziness, you know, and then answer questions. You know, oh, that was a triple paradiddle, flamadiddle, flatdiddle diddle that yeah, I blah, just blah, did blah. there, you know. Yeah. And, Oh, I don't cool. know what that means. <laughs> Here, I will demonstrate. <laughs> I don't speak that language, bro. So I was like, okay. But he said that a lot of times he's getting there late, planes late, blah, 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 blah. They're getting the tracks up. He's got a little mixer like that. He's trying to get on the, they supply the kit. He's getting his symbols, you know, getting everything organized. And yeah. if he just took a 58 and stuck it behind him like a set of ears and ran that into his own channel, and did an and out. If it didn't matter if his kick and toms and everything were perfect, that he could let the sound guy get his overall mix, but he could control by having that overhead because that is a set of ears from your perspective of everything around you. Yeah. That, that's not blasting at real sonic volume. You have control over the volume because you're in ear, and then I can control of the volume of, my, of the playing and then hit my cymbals accordingly. And, and I found that a 57 really gets a good overall one channel. Hmm. Even, so I went and recorded like that. I was like, well, shit, you know, one, 57 into one channel on my little Tascam, you know, and wrote a song and rhythm, the bass part and guitar part. And yeah, it's like, damn, that's a drum track, you know? So 
it's possible. Just one single condenser one, mic. Not even a condenser, a 57. Just 57. Yeah. 50. I tried a large condenser. I tried a 58. I tried two little tiny, you know, with a Y cable into one. Yeah. Oh, that was more. <laughs> 57. Boom. Flat top. Yeah. It's got huh. a nice little mid cut and toms sound nice and round. You can hear the snap of the kick. You don't have a lot of low end on it. But that's when you can tell a sound man, or I would set my mix from spin, you know, the Phasmatics board, which he fed me a line. I had my channel that I controlled. Yeah. So I had, you know, I could get my kick drum, you know, that nice little kick thing. And then yeah. the backing tracks, I had my own channel for that. And then I build my little mix with four channels. And, and, but that I can control the volume on because I'm in air monitor. Yeah. I've got the custom molds that knock out like 32. If you're doing in ears, Get custom molds, man. I don't see how these guys do it with the stock short, you know, rolling yeah. up or the little cones or the little rubber tips. I mean, go get molds. And then there's even companies that will make retrofit, send you a little silicon mold that you pop onto your shore that you bought from Guitar Center monitors. Okay. And then you've got custom molds on a set yeah. of stock buds. That's interesting. We've been talking about oh, doing man. in-ears and cornbread for a long time. Like, I like stage volume. Right. And I think Adam and Smitty want to do, they want to be have more control of what they hear. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I no think they're amps. wanting to do that. No power amps, because you don't need your power amps for your monitors. No yeah. powered, heavy-ass powered wedges, all that, gone. For, you're in the air now. And you're... And sound men across America love the bands that are all in the air because they've done away now with a bunch of loud blaring, I need more vocal in my vocal wedge. You know, yeah. Can I get some more guitar? Can I get some? Yeah. You set your in-air mix, and then a lot of these new consoles are digital, and you store it. And oh, yeah, absolutely. Your... That's what I love about this guy. Mm-hmm. The Bose, the Bose system that has a tone match, uh, the the tone match thing that it, the little mixer it comes with, the four channel mixer, can set banks of you know I can I can. There's our mix. I, I'm gonna go back. To, yeah, I want to go back to this, and I always live change it. Do but room by room. I can places you're playing often. You set a yeah. room mix for each place, and you go back and set up in that basic yep. area, and you're already halfway there. You're there, and then you just tweak it accordingly. Yep. That's great. I mean, that's now that's the good that's the stuff. future. But and the best thing I like about this is that. It sits behind you. Like I told you earlier, I always feel like I can hear what the crowd hears. So since I already know that I can feel like I hear what the crowd hears, I like it better that I actually can hear right. what the crowd yeah. hears. So having it behind me is just ideal. If the, everybody doesn't have to go in here. I mean, I've done. I've been in situations yeah. where a few of us were in here, but the, a lot of times the singers don't. As long as you're not yeah. relying on the count off, or if if there's anything that's a four count, you know, I mean, it's, as long as everybody can hear, yeah. even the guys that are all butted out, you know, make sure that everybody, you know, just figure that stuff out. But I mean, but it's easy when everybody's in here and you've got your own digital. Yeah, exactly. You can carry your own mix and. You know and I've noticed that most bands that do in ears have uh, have mics set up on side stage, right? And guitar players will walk to that mic, and that's like a communication between the band. Yeah, that that's, front of house doesn't get. And they point them to the crowd too on big rooms to get yeah. the crowd back. And that's the same thing, basically. Oh, yeah. What I'm talking about having my own ambient mic. You know, it's yeah. like my set of ears that I can control the stage. Which, because man, if I was just isolated with in ears that knock out 32 dB, that's earplugs. That's gun shooting earplugs, yeah. you know. And I've got kick drum and a little bit of guitar and some bass and and not very much lead vocal for for you know yeah enough. <laughs> no, just, no, just, not you, but <laughs> no, not no, no. that situation. Oh, oh, oh no! Listen, listen, listen. I, I know. 
I know, and 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 just it's so funny to get. And I don't have any of that. I used to when I was drinking or when I was doing like uh, coke before gigs or whatever, oh, and I'm just just losing my mind. Mm. I'm like, I think this needs to be louder. Like, am I loud enough? Is or but other than that, I never really had any like the the diva tendencies or whatever. You know, oh, yeah. like the like the I, I feel like I just have to be louder than everything else. Because I mean, I'm totally fine with. I'll be. I will be background. That doesn't matter to me. But there are so many singers who are just, and, and we're actually pretty lucky in this area. I don't know a whole lot of folks in this area a lot who of, feel that way. But I've caught myself watching some of your clips, some of your American Sound stuff from out yeah. there. And then you guys, Cornbread, had that way that flag clip up lately, and I mean, it sounded. I'm, I pictured it sounding really good in that room. I mean, whoever it was, however y'all got yeah. that then, but I was like, all right, man, you guys, it sounded, you know, just was a nice mix. It was powerful for, for acoustic guitar and gym band. Yeah, man. You know, it's like y'all are doing a band thing. Make with, a lot of sound with little, little yeah, instruments. Yeah, man. So your mix is whatever y'all are doing right there sounds, sounds great, man. Right it's on. transferring to a little phone. Good. You know, Facebook file. Dude, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> the, the, Record the audio quality you get out of just a phone. I know, man. It's come a long way. If Robert Johnson would have had that, those 30, 32 original recordings would have sounded wicked different. I got my first multi track recorder, my first little four track Tascam Porta 2 in 87, 88, but that winter for Christmas. Yeah. And learned, you know, kind of figured out what multi track recording, you know, and there's some tapes of drums. Guitar, bass, and then you know, angry sixteen, fifteen-year-old punk rock vocals. You know, I mean, funny yeah, stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's there. I, it's, I could take you straight to it, man. But learn how the concept of multi-tracking. You know, wow, this is a recording studio. Yep. In my pocket right now, I've got GarageBand, which I've got you know every keyboard and plugin, everything and, you need, and how many tracks? I don't even know. That's what I record with here. And I would have. That's that's happened in thirty. 30 years yeah considering the amount the the history of music this is the fingernail of music's history that we are getting this ability to you wondered did it go the right direction i mean there's still studios you know there's still that dream i mean if i had to if i had won that 1.6 billion dollars you know i would have my neve console and but would i have a two-inch machine i Probably not. You know, I don't want to maintain a two-inch machine, but I would love to have true analog recording for the nostalgia of it. But Ed Dennis does that. Yeah. Treat the computer like a tape machine. That's yes. nothing more than a tape machine, but you've got a Neve console and these great La Chapelle mic preamps yep. and your, you know, your Neumann overheads and everything, but you're putting it into a computer. You know, yeah. And it's all that comes down to the drivers, I guess, huh? You know. Editing is where computers shine. That razor blade. Yeah. There's that guitar track. We're gonna yep. move that we're gonna move that over here. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ed- editing is if you do editing is where computers shine. And and that's what I was saying earlier. I don't know if we got this on uh I don't know if we said this before we actually started rolling or not, but using like we, we were so lucky that we got the Dewey Decimal system oh. And then we're introduced to the internet and computers. Like, yeah. do you people don't realize how powerful that makes somebody is the, to learn the ability 
to seek out information manually and then be given all of the information at the tip of your fingers. Like I feel so bad for the people who were born after that was not necessary. Like the people who've had this their entire lives. Yeah. I feel so bad for those people because I know. they've always had all of this information. They have no need to retain anything. The, the problem I see with, with young right now and technology is, is impatience. Yeah. And they're so used to having it right this second. My daughter lost her mind last night, and here it was Saturday of Black Friday weekend, Thanksgiving weekend. So you know the internet is, I mean, here we go with Spectrum. No, I'm not even going to go there, but you know it. I know it. Bro, we I've know done, Spectrum a, whole, is I've the done a whole episode on it. I have God. them, and it's just. I know, because there's no, especially in Oh, did, did, your, did your bill go up 30 bucks out of nowhere? All the time. <laughs> I mean, it's, right? it seems like it. but, but Seriously. It, yeah. And it's just the Unreal. service. The service really went down. I mean, speed of my phone on internet, on normal stuff that I do in my house. All of a sudden, I'm I'm like back on web TV. After you know? they told me that they upped my internet speed at no extra cost to me. Now it's twenty dollars. You've been seeing the commercials, you know. So they slowed all the internet down to now you've got to go pay if you want the internet as fast as it used to be normally with Time Warner. Or is it that it's so populated now that you can only squeeze so much sewage through a tube? And I mean, you know, ten, yeah. ten a thousand people dump and all that dump goes through the, the plumbing. But now if ten thousand people dump. All that sewage still has to go through that Same small tube. plumbing. Yeah, it's going to stop up. This is what that was a total immature kind of funny toilet humor, but that's how it's I, the truth, though. I that's mean, how I described it to my daughter last night for her to understand yeah. what was going on with the internet. And she was like, "Oh," but she still got pissed as hell. You know. Well, this is the thing. This is what I get pissed about. I pay a lot of money. For cable, internet, and phone, which they tell you to bundle to save money, but I don't, I'm not saving money, so I don't know why I have all this stuff, but I pay a lot of money for that stuff. Now, whenever I get to a point where there's something on TV that I want to watch, and it's one of the few times that I actually watch real time TV and not watch Prime or Netflix or Hulu, which I also have and pay for, then whenever I go to watch something on TV and then it's, Okay, your weekly reboot, and it and it stops to reboot my entire box for twenty to thirty minutes, and the thing oh, that yeah. I wanted to watch on real time is now twenty to thirty minutes off. Yeah. Or when I have weird anxiety around sleeping, mm-hmm. so I'll stay awake as long as I can, so that when I lay down, I, I can fall right to sleep, or I'll get weird anxiety, you know, laying in bed. So. Uh, I have to have Netflix going like I'll, I'll, I used to be able to just let something play in the background, but right, lately right. it's been like cheers or parks and rec or whatever. <laughs> and I'll wake up if it's silent in my room, I'll wake up and I'll hit the continue watching button. Yeah. Well, I'll get this notification that says your, uh, your, your internet is not, not working or whatever. Like my internet goes out at least four times a month. At least, that's, that's, and I call them and complain. That's new, that's new stuff. I'm paying that didn't almost, happen, man. almost two hundred bucks a month, dude. Yeah, like one ninety something dollars. There's something going on there. It's it's, and I, I'm going to chalk it up to it's it's it, they're getting more money. 
they came through and replaced all the boxes, and that we got charged for that because they had to take out the old time. I didn't ask for Spectrum to take over Time Warner. I was fine with Time Warner. And yeah. I never had these issues. Same here. For the years and 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 even more years that yeah. I've been Time Warner. And that's it for on the South End because I actually love Time Warner and people used to talk crap about it and and yeah. fight for HTC. I was like, no, I mean Time Warner is way better than HTC, but not anymore. Not anymore. Everybody, you know, apparently, but we don't have that in Georgetown down there. You know, we're, yeah, like, it's only Polly's Island is only that or Dish or something like that. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't want to get into all of that. You know, I shouldn't be able to just have the cable and my internet and. Like it used to be. <laughs> yeah, like what 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 went wrong? I'm not using it for anything different. I think that it should be like a supermarket. Yeah. Like if, if I if I go to this channel, okay, I'm charged for that. Like YouTube. You watch yeah. a movie on YouTube for three ninety nine, you get it for forty eight hours. I'm okay with that. That's great. That's beats going down to Blockbuster and walking up and down the aisles like we used to, although that was fun too. Oh god, those you know? were the days, man. You go yes. you show up every Friday and look at the new stuff. I always did that. That was my favorite thing to do. And just whenever they would limit you, it was a good night. When it was a weekend, it was a Friday, and they said you can get five. Oh. You remember those, like, what was it? Like, uh, they were doing those five-for-five deals, but you could only keep them for, like, a night. (laughs) It's like, what about, how about go watch five movies in a night? But I would do it. I remember that. But I would do it. Tower Records. Rest in peace. You know, oh, I mean, it was never. Where was it? Was there ever a tower? Around? Not. No, I, I was. I was trying to think. I think there was one in Charlotte. Nashville is the one that I really remember. I, my first experience was Nashville. Would have been eighty nine, ninety nine. I saw Nirvana and Mudhoney. Mudhoney headlining Nirvana opening up in Nashville at a bar probably no bigger than you know the Dead Dog. I mean, really? Wow! In '89, I was up there for a couple of years. How how were they comparable to what they became then? They were more metal. They were longer hair, and it was more like kind of almost metallic. But it was bleach. Is what? Yeah. We, we, that's. It wasn't Dave Grohl. It was. It must have been the Melvins guy. Yeah. They were all long haired, and um, it was four of them. Even there was another guitarist, the Jason guy that played with Soundgarden bass for a while on the Louder Than Love days. But I mean, it was that era Nirvana, and it was like I knew Kelsey. You knew that there was a revolution about to happen. I likened it to I was in my eighteen, nineteen, and twenties at that same time that to be that age at the summer of you know sixty six, sixty seven, yeah. sixty eight. The, the revolution in music when it went from. You know, yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. Jimi Hendrix and you know MC5 and all that stuff started coming. You know, it's like whoa, that kind of revolution. And I don't think that I don't think that would ever happen again today. I think that was the last. This is the Beatles revolution, British invasion. Yeah, you know, then then the psychedelic rock thing that happened that really changed. I mean, and then seventies would have been the big production. I mean, that was probably the Queen, Aerosmith. Big big stadium rock. Yeah, it's okay. Rock and roll is stadium rock was now. definitely a huge huge deal. You know, but then over little CBGBs spits out the talking heads, Ramones. I mean, the subculture happened because you know it's like there was still that was an explosion. Blondie, talking heads, Ramones. I mean, it happened on and that happened again. Then the, you know, punk, new waves, and John. You know that. I wonder if that is possibly happening now. With what? under the radar, yeah. with thoughtful songwriting, 
And I see, and maybe that's easier for me to see because I, I listen to just that type of music. Yeah. With really strong songwriting and just. Jason just, Isabel is kind of, Americana has finally been accepted in Nashville, I think. And I think yeah. we'll see that finally get bigger. The the fire that Graham Parsons started is finally, I noticed, you know, CMT, Americana Fest. And it was like Jason Isabel. And, you know, and I was like, whoa, man, it's the Americana yeah. has finally become. Nashville approved. It only took how many years, you know? Well, and, and, and unfortunately for Nashville, Americana wants no part of it now. Exactly. And you could have had us win, but yeah. we don't need you now. We don't need to be associated yeah. with Luke Bryan and whoever this and that guy. You know, that guy with the baseball cap. Yeah, the dude like, with two first names. and Sings the, kind of a little bit hip-hop and a little bit country and a little yeah. bit, you know, that guy. I hope, and, you know, the Americanos are sort of like, you know, See that middle finger right there? Yeah, exactly. Just, Johnny Johnny Cash is 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 behind yeah. everybody's eyes now. Yeah, and that's or in Americana anyway. And I feel that way. I I don't think that Americana wants anything to do with Nashville. I think that that Nashville has dug its grave, and now Americana is Be- you know becoming an entity of is big enough now to be able absolutely. to hold its own. You and know? I believe it, it's the grunge of country music. Yeah. It's the grunge of country There's music. There's still some deep stuff, though, that haven't gotten their Buzz Cox or Ramones or yeah. Sex Pistols. Like, I'm Nico Case. There's the, the, you always okay. ask for the artist to leave you with, man. Nico Case. Nico Case. I'll remember that. I mean, yes. There is a voice that was untouched by computer, computers. I saw her in Philadelphia in a listening room with a stand-up bass and a guitar player and a pedal steel player that was... Yeah. And I was as far as from us to your camera from her sitting at a table and was inside of the speakers and heard her voice. So I was like, what you hear on the record is her. I'll vouch for it. I've been five feet away from her and heard her sing a lot of that early catalog from Furnace Room Lullaby, Blacklisted, um, later stuff. But she still, she did a record with Katie Lang and, uh, man, my memory you get old, you forget everything. <laughs> Katie Lang and Nico Case, I mean. I'm not looking forward to that part of it. Anyway, but it's just I'm overflowing with useless knowledge is what it is. I mean, you know, I still look at the credits and who played drums on that track or who played pedal You'll be laying in bed later and you'll think, oh, yeah, that's know, what it was. I know, I know it. But because of that time thing that we were talking about, your brain doesn't know that you're not still here. Right. No, exactly. <laughs> you know, there were the trailblazers, though, that now, the, the trailblazers that paved the way yeah. for what the Americana, for the Jason Isabel, you know, it's yes. like, we've got to recognize the Jayhawks, you know, you got to recognize of course. Uncle Tupelo and Wilco and No Sun Depression, and 9 a.m., I have them on vinyl. Yeah. The, you know, the, the, the California country thing that happened again in the late 90s that sort of got overlooked but with the Beachwood Sparks and the Thrills which they were like pop bands that were a little bit Beach Boys and a little bit Buck yeah. Owens you know and that whole thing that happened it's like now pull those records back out man you pull out that first Beachwood Sparks record and it's like this could come out today and you know and people would still be like what the hell is that no, but could you know, yeah but, that's really, how, really. It's old that's 60s. how I felt when I when I listened to Uncle Tupelo. New no writers depression. of the Perfect Sage is who they really kind of sound like. They were like a new writers of the Purple Sage, yeah, throwback kind of thing that that came out in the late nineties, you know. And it's uh, I don't know, man. Where what I was point out was it's nice to see America nah, finally holding its own. And, and, and yeah, that's that's what I'm digging. Is that Ro- Robbie Fox? Is there's really Robbie Fox Ooh, and man. Nico Case? Yes. Folks, F-U-L-K-S. He had a song called Fuck This Town, man, that was about Nashville. 
I'm gonna. And it's honky tonk. I wish you could play it right now. I'm man. gonna It'd write this down. The. And this was like going on mid late nineties, about the time Uncle Tupelo was breaking up and and splitting into Wilco and Sunvolt, you know, because that's what Uncle Tupelo was. They they got a divorce and who was it? What was the guy? Robbie Robbie Falks. So I'm surprised Seth Funderburg never turned you on to him. We opened up for that guy um, a million years ago. Seth turned me on to a lot. Like Too when much, I, one I, time, sometimes. Listen, <laughs> listen. I, I, I will. I will say this in in one hundred percent in public view. Seth Funderburg changed the way I listen to music. One hundred percent. He's carrying on that Jeff Roberts sound. You can tell. Things. I was yeah. just about to say. You can tell that he spent a lot of time working at a record store. Oh my god. He knows what people want to hear. He knows he can meet somebody. Figure out what they like and send them things that only they will like. He learned from the best, man, and that's you're exactly right. That was what sounds familiar was. I mean, I said this last time. I we're we're getting forever. the sounds familiar episode one day. Jeff yeah. and Jeff and uh, Seth are going to be on. Nice. I'm getting awesome, both of those guys on here to just talk about music one day. I've, I keep telling Seth every time I see him, we're going to get him. But I, but that'll, that's going to happen. That'll be a good one. That's going to happen. <laughs> that'll be a good one. Um, but anyway, sorry, didn't mean to. No, man, but um, just I don't even remember what we were talking about. I mean, it probably, you know, oh, I mean, this Robbie Falks that you guys open for him, Seth. Yeah, yeah, just a lot of stuff that paved the way. That's finally, you know, yeah. I don't think there there wouldn't have been a Jason Isabel without Drive By Truckers. Yep, that very true, very true. So there you go. That's see, I really and going back to what I said about uh, Americana, like sort of not needing Nashville, you know, not necessarily. It's sort of being like. In the same sense that Willie Whalen and the boys didn't need Nashville, exactly. you know, like we exactly. don't, we don't Outlaw. fucking need you. Outlaws, I'm man. sorry. We don't need your platform. We can, we can reach the people that the people that want to hear good music, know where to come. Right. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's gone a little deeper. It's gone a little, you know, it, it feels like it's gotten a little more, you know. Yeah. I don't even, it's something, but it, you know, there's it, definitely it's its own world, but it's valid now. And it has become, you know, a real, it used to sort of be shunned off. I had a, I had a woman from Warner brothers, man. I mean, a, an intelligent, she was the head of a and R something. And her claim was that she signed Dwight Yoakam and Travis Tripp to Warner brothers, Nashville. And oh man. So she did it. Yeah, really. <laughs> the Dwight Yoakam, though. I mean, but she, yeah. she had been there, worked her way up the ranks, and had the big, nice office overlooking downtown, you know. And and we ended up in contact with her with a, some other stuff, and and sat across her desk in two thousand and two, two thousand one, two thousand two, that winter, and said, "I'll never forget it, man." She looked at me and said. I love Americana music. And she said, Americana. She goes, alt country, y'all alternative, which I'd never heard that before. Y'all alternative. <laughs> she said those names. She, she spit them out. She said, Americana, alt country, y'all alternative, whatever you want to call it. I love it all. It just doesn't sell records. And when you had a woman like that in that position, tell you across, you know, say across the table. And I was up there pitching that Red Canyon Wall CD that Jeff yeah. and Seth and those guys put out. And it was me and my my former Teddy. You know, we had the little Grammy Malou thing going on. And 
trying to do our yeah we, that was my grand parsons phase i was talking about man <laughs> screw drums i'm gonna play guitar and drink tons of wild turkey and write country songs let's do it all right you know and <laughs> you know despite how awful that sounds that's how they did it that's how they did it they drank wild mighty, turkey and they wrote country songs fine record held up with time i listened to it not too long ago i mean we had john Keane mix it down in athens yeah man. i mean it was killer you know and i was up there shopping it I had a contact with her from the couple years before with yeah. the theater show and, and called her and said, I've got this record. And and from there led to going to John Keane to have it mixed and mastered, you know, and, and took some advice from some people. And they hooked us up with John Keane. And it looked like, you know, something was going to go. And um, opened up, you know, we were doing some shows. But we played with Robbie Falks during that whole time and killer. But we played a show with him. I'm trying to remember the date. And it was, well, here he is, it was 9-11. 9-11 happened. Oh, wow. It was like September 01. Because it, it killed, the, the Elbow Room and Columbia should have been jam-packed. And the guys told us that. I mean, there was a handful of people there. And it was the people that were there, you know, were like Charleston, I mean, Columbia heavy hitters, the guy from the Free Times, you know, Mark Bryan. And yeah. his people were there to see the show. I mean, but it should have been. Really on the underground, a deal. alt country icon Robbie Fox. That's the fuck this town guy, you know. And and there yeah. was nobody there. And we were opening and had the got the gig, but man, it was came in at a very, very, very unfortunate time to try to start shopping a record right around September of two thousand and one. <laughs> you know, some things changed. <laughs> yeah, the world. For for starters, dude, there was a lot of stuff that's different. That's another thing, too, going back to that whole we got the Dewey Decimal System and then the Internet. We got the world before and after 9-11. Yeah. Dude, because nothing's been the same ever since. I had just turned 31. September 12th, 2001 was the first day like it ever. Mm-hmm. Ever. And every day's been like that since. Everything's been on edge. Everything's been different. Yeah, man. I mean, everything changed from that moment forward. It was yeah. nothing would ever go back to. We never forever. We will talk about pre nine eleven and post nine eleven. Yeah, because know? that that's the day the world changed mm-hmm. in a big way. The whole world changed. Witness what was possible. We'd gotten real naive. I remember being a thirty year old and just kind of real naive. You know, you didn't. Yeah. You know, you, that wasn't possible because you'd never heard of that thinking. It's kind of like, wow, who invented the coat hanger? What did we do before the coat hanger was ever invented? You know, I mean, yeah. I but something, it was like it was so naive because you just didn't think something like that could happen. And then, you know, it's just, and then years later, you see all that conspiracy stuff and you're going, oh, my God, some of that makes sense. Oh, my God. You know, it all but, looks <laughs> like it makes sense, man. See, that gives an entire nation immediately. As soon as that happened, I believe that gave the entire nation PTSD. Mm-hmm. Like to where they're like, oh, my God, this is like this has never happened. An attack on American soil, yeah, like within the lower 48. Like this is this isn't like somebody came over from Russia and got Alaska or Hawaii from Japan. This mm. is our from internal out. I mean, you started hearing yeah. stories that they were in their flight training here. And, you know, they came through Myrtle Beach. One of them stayed in a hotel up in Myrtle Beach. I mean. You you would have never found him if you went looking in hotels in Myrtle Beach right now. We're looking for a, never a guy him. in his twenties. He's Middle Eastern, and he was last seen. I mean, and you're asking all the hotels yeah, in luck. Myrtle Beach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, it's like, Seriously, <laughs> it, like, it's you could just blend right in and 100%. just be so incognito that you know, and no one would ever right, know. You never never knew. Box cutters, you know. Oh, wow. 
nobody ever thought of that, you know, and it was just real crazy that, and, but everything changed and music industry changed then. I mean, there were, you know, think about going the to Toby a, Keith, a country stuff uh, dropped. We dealt with all that. I'm proud of to be an American stuff comes back full circle. Yeah. It was kind of the, if you really go back and, you know, it, it could be sort of the beginning of, and it, where we're at right now, you know, and the, with, with just, you know, it's kind of crazy that, Sequence of events, man. Uh, you yeah. look back at how everything starts adding up when you get old enough to look back and see what happened here to make it here to get to here to get to here. You know, it's kind of like, wow, man, that's kind of mind blowing. But you know, it's, yeah, it, that, that's how it happened. That was, <laughs> that was deep, man. That like, ugh. no, but seriously though, like the the, mm. and I, I enjoy I enjoy. Uh, Deep thought. Yeah. I, I really do. <laughs> I, I, more so than most people. Yeah. And and probably more so than most people will give me credit for or, or think that I do. But I think a lot about the world before 9-11. And I, and I think that everybody talks about, oh, man, the 90s were the best. The 90s were great. And we start talking about all the great things we had in the 90s. And it was like. I I, I I mean, Goosebumps books that I've been recollecting. I've been building my Goosebumps collection. I know that that was something that was big when I was younger. And we had all of these things, and I was watching all that reruns last night because I was t- explaining to somebody on Facebook what all that was. It was Saturday Night Live for kids. Wow. And do you remember, you remember what all that? I was a little, I was, I was, yeah. old. I was a little, I mean, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, it was, it was something that was a big deal when I was, I was really young. But anyway, it was, we think about all these great things that we had in the nineties and all these awesome TV shows and things that, that, that take us back to a time when things were simpler, we discount the fact that that was also before nine 11 happened. And a lot of people don't understand that life is just yeah. so much different. Life got real for everybody. Like life was fun and a game. Y- Y2K was real. Really? It was, yeah. just, a, it was just a year late. You know? Absolutely. I mean, kind of. If you, if you think of it like that, but it was also pre, there was no, you know, not everybody was tapping into the internet. Not everybody had yeah. their cell phone on them. I, I was late getting a phone. I'd bucked it until I'd, absolutely you know had to have one yeah and you know it was it was just kind of you you weren't everything wasn't right at your fingertips you had to go on the search you know i mean half the fun for old records was the search going into the flea market and man he's got a couple thousand records over there and and flipping through all the all of them all the andy gibb to get to the elo you know and (laughs) (laughs) because jesus knows there was so much andy gibb just so Random, much, but, so much Herb Alpert. Now, some of that Tijuana brass is pretty, pretty. Ha- I've hot. got whipped cream and other delights, and uh, that's the that's the Wrecking Crew, <laughs> and another one. I've had a couple of Herb Alpert records, but um, yeah, dude, it, it's so so awesome that when you get when you see one of those record bins and you get that that, that excitement that you feel, you yeah, oh, man. dude, I for, get to for spend ninety nine cents. You know? Yeah, I get to spend mm. so much time doing this. I I, I was uh, we went to Dick's Pawn Shop in North Myrtle Beach. We walked in and we walked past this box, and Adam was like, he just started looking at me and smiling, and I was like, what? And he just kept looking at me and smiling, and then I turned around and I saw that he noticed a box of records before I did, and I was like, dude, yeah, I don't know why. I just I, I freak out when I see stuff like that because you get back into the times when I would walk into 
what was it called? F Y E in the mall and just flipping through, flipping through the records and flipping Mm -hmm. through the CDs. And I'm just like, I'm a kid again for a second. It is, man. I mean, that sounds familiar. That's manifest, you know, and and manifest in Florence. God, I mean, manifest we're all over, you know, and, 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 but Papa Jazz, Ernie Ernie Ball Slinky Strings from manifest. Yeah. Anyway, the the end stores, I mean, didn't Green Day play the Columbia manifest early on when they were playing Rockefellers and went and did an end store at manifest or something? I mean, I've Jay Matheson, they would do, you know, the jam room, Jay, God legend, you know, but the manifest was closing in Columbia. And all of these ceiling tiles were signed from a- Avid Brothers with card drawn. That was just recently, and that yeah. was like the last week or last week or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, it was pretty recent that the Avid was auctioning off. It closed. Was, yeah, well, they officially closed, but prior to they started auctioning off like the tiles and just stuff out of there. And oh man. The Manifest in Charleston is is monster music now, and they've kind of kept that same. That's good record store, a lot of used. But monster records, yeah. See, I don't go to any record stores, man. Citadel Mall. I really should start doing that. You know the Citadel Mall down in. I'm not familiar with the area at all. Yeah, it's it's tricky. If you get on 526 and go almost, you know, towards the end of it, or West Ashley, it'll take you around. And it's right across that um, from from Citadel Mall over in that area, little strip mall where the. And this, man, there's, I mean, it's old school record store. I mean, it's just like walking. I mean, there's as many vinyl records for Rose as going in. You go back to the 90s when you walk in the door of that place. I'm thinking right now that I'm only going to walk out of the store either mad or broke. (laughs) (laughs) Either mad because I couldn't afford everything I wanted to buy or just broke because I bought everything that I wanted. It, they kind of have it remind me. I mean, and then you know, half this other half is a lot of video and DVDs and money, yeah. like you know, the horror stuff and like collectibles and stuff like that too. So they've kind of found the the niche of something. And that's the old manifest. The old manifest did the same. Yeah, they had yeah. the same. They had. I remember they had like uh, Aussie bobbleheads. Yeah, and shit like that. Right. Like uh, a lot of T-shirts. Yeah, yeah. And posters. Posters. And, yep. Know, stickers and all that stuff, man. I mean, yeah, it's it's. Uh, Slowly but surely, that's kind of, you know, the, you got the ones that are still hanging on and doing that, you know, but I mean, but will they be there long enough for my 10 year old daughter to grow up and go with her friends to the record store to be able to flip the door? Oh, my dad used to love these things, you know, whatever. I don't know what the attitude will be, but as things are changing, where's it going to go? Like what? If I win that 1.6 billion. That's what's happening. Save the record stores. <laughs> We're going to get record stores back. I, and I do that. I say that at every gig. I uh, I was saying that last night at the gig, and, and uh, Porkchop, Chip's not used to playing with me mm. much. So uh, he doesn't know that I talk a lot. Obviously, I don't think that's a secret. But uh, but he doesn't know that I talk a lot, so he'll be, he'll be like, trying to... Uh, like get to the music, you know, in a way, right, but right. I, I like to talk to the crowd and I've noticed that they like that too. Mm-hmm. They enjoy carrying on the conversation. Like it's sort of, and, and I don't expect a response, you know, uh, outside of anything other than laughter, which is, right. which is a good response for me. Like yeah, I yeah. know that that's when I'm being understood. And, uh, I was explaining to, Oh, where was I going with that? I just started talking. I, I just started thinking about what I was talking to the, uh, uh, what I was talking to the crowd about, or talk about pork chop and the gig. Oh man, I totally just lost that thought I was going for. Because I started thinking about liking to talk. Isn't it funny how this works? Anyway, okay. left turn. Yeah, I don't know where my brain went on that one. 
But oh, 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 yeah, shit. Sorry, records. I, I look at the records. But, sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> sorry. I look at the records. I, I remember. So every single gig, I will tell people, buy records. Yeah. Because there is no passion when you stop touching your partner. You know, and when passion leaves a relationship, then the relationship falls apart. Yeah. The same thing happens in music. When you stop touching your music, there's no passion in it anymore. When all you have to do is hit a button on your phone, there's no passion in that anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's why we get what we are. And I akin that tube that you compared the internet to earlier to what is pumping out of our radios these days. Yeah. And the things that the labels are choosing that we listen to. And that's such a shame that the people aren't in control of what they want to hear. And they're just given what? Okay, you can have this. And if you don't like this, then we're just going to play it until you do. Yeah, I mean, it's it, payola still happens in a bigger way probably than it did in the 70s, just in a different way. But it's yeah. still really the, the same kind of practice. I mean, if, if they'd figured out a way when payola, you know, when they were paying the DJs to play this song, which was the big scandal. Oh, yeah. You know, we'll pay you this and to play our Warner Brothers. But you had people that were able to pay use that money because there was so much money being made in the music business. Yes. People, I said this, man, Hootie and the Blowfish, they sold how Cracked Rear View came out and sold, what, 13, 14 million copies, like right out of the gate, it seemed like. I mean, within the first, you know, it was like, wow. And then you see today that even an artist as big as Taylor Swift, you know, what is her new they're not selling records. They're selling songs, you know? So it's like the new yeah. song drops. I mean, here's the new lingo. New so blah, new, blah, streams. Yeah. It drops. And then how many, how many streams did she get? And, and so it's the whole lingo has changed, but you're not talking about 15 million copies selling at, you know, what did CD sell for? You know, 12 to $15 yeah. in Walmart. You Somebody know, so spent gas and time to walk yeah. into a store and pick this up and touch it. And take it up there and pay for it. And then they took it out and took the string grab off. And sometimes it was really hard if it had that little sticker around the edge. And yeah. Like, they're hard Put it in their car. <laughs> how did, hey, how did you do that? Did you take the time to peel them off every single, uh, like... I took a guitar pick and sliced in between uh, the thing and then just ripped the plastic off. And then, you know, that was... I just opened the case. Yeah, right. You just pry it open. You, yeah. just, you just pry it open with the sticker on. Yeah, yeah. And it just... And, and then just peel it off. Right. That, that too. I think I would always just like... And then... <laughs> yeah. I mean, See, people don't understand. Mm. A lot of folks won't understand that that was something that you had to do. How did you do? I took well, I took my phone and I opened up this app and I and I pushed <laughs> download. Then I, then I, what did you do? Then I pushed play and it was you know and then it sounded terrible because it was real thin and had didn't have any low end or anything. It was coming through my phone speakers. I listen to my fucking music through old vintage stereo speakers or either my studio monitor still because I yeah. can't listen to music through a, a freaking telephone. That was oh absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah. I, I hook, that affects I how music up, is recorded. I hook everything up to this. I hook I hook something up to this or or listen to those stacks or yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I don't or and, plug it into my Fender bass amp. But those little iBuds that come with your cell phone that are real funky and you never get in yeah. your ear right anyway. And I you know I mean I'm I'm used to my custom molds, so I'm like oh let me see how these things work you know. And I put them I'm like wow this is what most people are referencing. I mean when I was 16 I wanted a real stereo JVC with a turntable and the tape deck yeah. and then like stereo speakers that were big and brown. And that's what I still have. Yep. I still have that stereo, and, and and it's old, and it sounds great, and there's no computer components in it. It's all transistors and stuff. Yeah. And even CD players, 
you're going to kill me. You're going to slap me. No, I no, still not. think that CD overall is the best sounding format because it's not that oh, compressed yeah. digital. And you don't have that. The clicks of pops. Which is cool yeah. on records, but unless it's something that you really want, the sonic fidelity. If you were going to sit down with headphones like this and listen to Dark Side of the Moon, do you want an old original 70s copy of Dark Side of the Moon vinyl or a CD yeah. with your headphones? And it's going to be... <laughs> you know, I mean, some yeah, of my old records yeah, are a little yeah. muffled and scratchy. I got an ELO record that's those just are been great for, to death. Yeah, yeah, those are great for nostalgia's sake. But yeah, At the party, when everybody's yeah. around, vibey, you know, let's put a record on. Oh, cool. <laughs> Yeah, which I love that. <laughs> I do too. I love that shit. I used to put that but on yeah. CDs. I would put that at the beginning yeah. of CDs, and then you, the song starts, and then you fade that out. But just like and in between songs, you fade I do that too. Scratch, you know. I do that too when I record <laughs> stuff here. Yeah, always, cool. always do. And, and well, one thing is when you do that, when you put that there in the beginning. That because I like to do live sounds. Obviously, I like to record here. There's a lot of room noise. Yeah, oh yeah, wood floor. But but I like the way that sounds. And if you start off a record with that sound, it'll hide a lot of that other stuff. Yeah, the, the cable that you might does. get in the background. Yeah, that that because I like that. I like the I I don't know. I I feel like a lot of the artists that I respect got that way by making music that they liked, mm-hmm. and it just so happened that I liked it too. So I'm just, I, I, I want to make music that I like. Kelsey, dude, I, earlier today, I was talking with a friend of mine and I said, I was, we were talking about coming here and doing this. And I said, you know, I was on the story about me leaving the spasmatics and yeah. I'm going to focus fully on hair and I'm here in Merle's Island. I want to plug my salon before I get out of here. Oh yeah, too. we're going to do that for sure. And, but I said, when I go and see a band, even setting from the bandstand, looking out, I mean, you could tell, you could have come to Legends in Concert any night throughout the different acts that came in and out of there. And it was obvious when Tommy really liked the music of this act. I mean, The Temptations or yeah. Franklin or, you know, you watch me perform. And I was pro and tried, I, you know, we had to look like and sound like the real band of yeah. whoever it was. When I was up there playing with Aretha or, you know, or some of the country stuff, the old, like, you know, even the Alan Jackson with his train beats, man, that I love to play. I mean, he did some old school, yeah. you know, Chattahoochee, you know, you know, not smiling, playing. And then we get a Britney Spears <laughs> or we get a something else that I can't, you know, and then there were the surprises like, oh, man, this is going to be weird. What's going to happen here? And then Liberace would come in and I would become a huge fan and say that to this day, that's the most challenging music that I've ever had to learn with all the breaks and the stops. And, and then yeah. when he'd go to sit down and yeah. just all the little things. So it was real challenging to learn that, commit it to memory and play it. Perfectly Wayne Newton night. stuff. Yeah. So that was a that was my out of my comfort zone that I conquered and then became a huge fan of and ultimate respect. Daryl Wagner is unbelievable. Liberace he could be Liberace, but he's also Daryl Wagner. He's just as entertaining yeah. on his own, you know. And but you know the stuff that the stuff I didn't dig that came through there, and I'm just like, you know, yeah, I did it again. Going through the motions, you know, just kind of playing. I'm collecting a paycheck here, you know. And then oh, some yeah. of it wasn't even drums. So I just you know what do I do during this. Everything was already sampled, and the, you know, what am I supposed to do? We'll just play, you know, and then he'd bring me out or whatever. But just that I would play along yeah. with it for the visual, 
So all the, yeah, you know, Vegas kicks. And <laughs> I've noticed that. I've noticed that a lot. That I'll see, I'll hear a drum track in a song, and the drummer's not playing what mm-hmm. what I'm hearing. You know. I'll notice that on when I'm watching stuff like a Super Bowl oh, show. Or watch something the like country that. shows, man. The country award shows, man. I'm convinced that very few of those jokers. I <laughs> were gonna go after Nashville again. I love to at any chance. <laughs> Damn, Jokers ain't playing on that stage. All right, man. I mean, they're fooling the you know the little girls yeah. in their bent up cowboy hats going. But I mean, to us. Oh yeah, like, we know. I just heard a symbol, and that symbol did not move. Well, uh, absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, I I was watching um, I was watching Joe Rogan the other day with Jake the Snake Roberts, the wrestler Jake the Snake Roberts, and they were talking about David Arquette, who is now wrestling. <laughs> We live in this world now. So, yeah, David Arquette now wrestles. And uh, they showed a clip of one of David Arquette's matches. And um, they were breaking it down. And Jake the Snake just, like, said, okay, he didn't like the way this went because this it was a quick count. It was a, it was a quick tap. And I know that somebody got fucked in that deal. Like, somebody didn't like what went down there. And it was like, oh, wow. Like, I, as a somebody who watched wrestling as a kid, I watched that match and see something completely different than Jake the Snake Roberts, who lived that life and was wow. behind the see, scenes love for stuff, so man. long. I love that kind of stuff, man. And I was like, wow, how did you see that thing that I didn't see? And that's just so much. Well, and talking about, I don't know if you, you follow sports at all. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sports guy. Mm-hmm. But but uh, the, the we, that conversation got started when I was talking about Tony Romo who who calls football games and can say okay they're setting up in this format this quarterback's going to do this he calls plays before they happen oh wow and he just he he understands the game that much and i love people who can who are just so familiar with that thing that they're watching right that right. they can say okay this is exactly what that person is doing like we're saying I can watch those things on like the Super Bowl show or whatever and oh be like, my God, never, that yeah. person's not playing what who, you're hearing right the who, now. When Zach Starkey, man, I read an interview or somewhere along the line or read a, in a drum magazine talking yeah. about when Zach was with the who and, you know, but it was how much was tracked. I mean, he was giving away a lot as he was talking about it. And you're like, oh, man, I can't believe, you know, but it, to the lay person that wouldn't know yeah. any better. But to us, I already knew that all that was tracked and, you know, most of it was tracked. But then, I didn't realize it, that. I thought Zach was actually playing that. Well, he uh, was. He fills. was just kind of giving away what, how much is tracked, how much is live. I mean, okay. they can get him out there and there's fills and stuff on the who, basically. I mean, yeah. gonna, but they don't have time for a full sound check and everything to be perfect. So they've got tracks, too, ready to go if needed, like, if so it's more like out, a it's more like a, a student driver wheel rather than right. You know, you you're still driving, yeah, but if you exactly. fuck up, I can take they're, over. They've got the tracks ready to go, okay. and and what's actually coming through the television, you know, is is kind of different than what you know what I mean. It's like they've yeah. got the TV mix, you know. And I used to hear people talk about that, like when they would mix a single. And it's like okay, we got the TV single. Here's the edited single. Here's the instrumental single. You know, it's like they do multiple huh. mixes of a hit single. So they had all these different 
versions of it that they could use for different licensing for this or that. Like, Gosh, I'm losing more and more, and more faith in this industry right oh, now. Oh, man. Sorry. I'm going to get killed for giving away all these secrets. And people are no, dude, not. Like, <laughs> Tommy found drummer. This mysterious is, drummer hairstylist found Billy. No, I'm just kidding. No, listen. For, for, <laughs> Illuminati is going to come get me overnight, I bet. Man. I better yeah. shut my mouth. Huh? No, nah, for reference... This will be like having David Blaine sit down and explain to you how he does all of his tricks. Because, <laughs> listen, Tommy's top, top of the bill. Listen to this. When it comes to, it comes to drummers. In 2000, there was a the dude that worked on Faith Hill's Breathe. I can hear it. Breathe, yeah. You know, the, I mean, the Warner Brothers staff producers. And I was involved with the band with Gary Alexander. Okay. And Brian Graves, who his dad was... Uncle Josh Graves, the Dobro legend that played with Flat and Scruggs, and yeah. you know that was his dad. We all ended up in Myrtle Beach to work for the Crook and Chase Theater, and through all of that show, it was two years. You know, the Jim Owens, who was the producer of the whole thing, decided that he would grab these five of us and sort of put together this new country, and that was where that contact with Paige from Warner Brothers came from. Prior to me taking my Americana record up there, yeah. They started sinking some money into us, getting us demos. We would sit down. That was when I learned straight from the horse's mouth about the Nashville machine. You know, they would come down. They set us up a studio in the back of the Kirk and Chase Theater. And then this guy's claim to fame was exile. You know, I want to kiss you all over. He was in that band. And <laughs> it was now. Uh, to the night closes in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And some other stuff. But he had become... I only know that from Adam Sandler, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I know, man. But, but, but he had become an employee for Warner Brothers yeah. in Nashville and was you know working with Paige and their production. And, and he would come down with stacks and stacks of cassettes. Boy, 2000. 99. 99-2000. 90, and so he still had cassettes from Warner Chapel Publishing. Yeah. And we would just listen to songs and decide which songs we wanted to cut the demos of. That would become this five-piece country band and set us up a big showcase in the theater. And Paige Levy and Kurt and all the guys were there, you know, and we'd, we'd go out on stage and do our five or six songs. So they helped us to pick, you know, get all this together and put together the showcase. And we'd sell it to Paige, who had signed Dwight Yoakam and Travis Tritt. And she walks up to the edge of the stage after we played five or six songs. The vocals were Eagles vocals. So these guys, Rodney and Brian yeah. and, and, I mean... The guys could sing, man. I mean, killer, killer. No Pro Tools, no click tracks. I mean, we were playing. Raw talent. Raw talent, man. And she came up and said, I've seen the I've seen the future of country music, and it's you guys. And she pulled out, you know, they were showing us like eight by tens of now here's gonna be your competition. And I remember them having lyric street records, eight by ten. Now now these guys have just been signed and this is who we're gonna like Rascal Flats. Oh yeah, harmony driven. Harmony driven. We all had the little spiky hair. I had the in little the front, shiny, yeah, down and blonde in the front. Right. I was. The, I had that. But see, I, I had that thing. If I had brought a picture, we each kind of had our own look, you know. And yeah. I, I had the Rob Thomas little Matchbox Twenty shag thing going, you know. And yeah. And then Gary had the big pompadour, you know, kind of the Elvis fifties. Yeah, thing I remember going, that. And that picture floats around from Gary's Facebook page. I see it now often. And it's like Backstreet Boys country. <laughs> yeah. And I'm in highly embarrassed of it, and I never talk about it or anything. I can't even believe I'm going there now with this. I've sort of, like, <laughs> erased it from my mind, tried to. I'm like, 
It was like molested by Nashville a little bit. I feel like I was a little bit sexually abused, and I don't like, like to talk about feel it. Right, Nashville. Yeah, it's like I'm still a little sore there for him, you know. But yeah. anyway, I love Gary. I love Gary Alexander. I love him. But <laughs> yeah, love you, Gary. I do I really be, do? Gary got mad at me one time because I told him I hated Guns and Roses. <laughs> Gary turned me on to Robbie Fox. So he knows his shit, man. Gary's he didn't get true. mad at me. It was just, it, it was funny. We had a good talk. <laughs> He's crazy, man. He's funny. But, but, but anyway, he'll tell you about this whole trip of an experience that we went through together, you know, back in yeah. Nashville and meeting all these wingdingers and learning that how the Nashville machine really rolls. And it was almost like that was sort of the beginning of my end where I was kind of like, that sucks, you know, because we were going to work on all these demos and get these songs together. And they were, those pictures were taken by this guy that had shot Conway, Twitty and Loretta Lynn, all the pictures around the studio in Nashville, you know, telling how much money they spent on the photo shoot for those backstreet boy looking pictures, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> we were up in Nashville and, you know, we got to go right to Warner brothers cause they signed us. They signed us to, there used to be a thing that existed. Way back in the day, <laughs> called a developmental deal, and it was the pre-record deal that you would get with a major label, where they would go ahead and just start throwing some money into you and, and developing you, and then you would do the big showcase, and that's when you got the big money and the big deal. And that we, was when you got signed for five albums. Yes, and we were working up, so they were appointing us with these, you know. And he had just come off the the Faith Hill Breathe, and he was the one that said when they were mixing it, Breathe. They even had a mix with the track. That's where I learned in 2000 how much stuff was being backtracked live with those big national artists. I heard it scraping oh, the horse's mouth. They even had a track of Faith Hill. If her vocal was, I get a tingle in my throat. And she has to do David Letterman that night or something. That's all right. We got you covered, honey. And they would just roll her pre recorded vocal roll track. Roll that beautiful bean footage. You know, and do all of that stuff, you know, yeah. and never even make a peep. And all of America goes, Faith Hill sings so good. Seeing her on David Letterman did not miss a note, <laughs> you know. I mean, and I'm going, <laughs> I'll never tell. Yeah, no shit. But that you, you that know, didn't get man. past my granddaddy. He said it was all piped in. And ain't nobody there. That laughing's piped in. Uh, they know, man. There's the those ears know. out. There's the ears out there that knew, though. But but it, so that was like my rude awakening to it. And I went, aha, uh-huh, you know. And and you get the joke, you know. And you go, yeah, man, you know. But there's gunshots. No, you never know. Up on, you never know these days. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I don't know what it was, but seeing as how I got headphones on and not room noise, I don't know what it was. <laughs> oh shit, man, that's funny. Uh, anyway, but uh, if they're shooting at us, we might better wrap this. <laughs> no, nah, man. But uh, uh, so I guess uh, you, you text me uh, a, a bit ago, messaged me. You wanted to get the the pretty much. You wanted to use this vessel in which. To get your uh, explanation out, I guess, as to why you wanted to step away. Yeah. Do you feel like you did that? I do, man. I mean, I, I can I can tie it all up right now is that as I knew what was happening with spasmatics and witnessing the yeah. what I thought it was time for me to leave. And, and, and I started kind of making plans. So I, I was at a Mount Pleasant salon, too. I, I pulled out of that and I moved. I started re- knowing I'm going to rebase myself up here. 
And I'm now, I mean, I'm in Merle's Inlet, man, Monday through Friday at Hair Trends, right across the street by, by Food Line, and where 707 comes out. Yeah. And it's been amazing. I mean, I've been busy and steady and immediately started, like, just like the, universe, wind in the, your the universe spoke, I listened, and it was the right thing to do, you know, and, and that, you know, and I said, well, rather than try to type a big Facebook post, I mean, when you can say it verbally and say it, you know, and see my mannerisms as I'm telling the story rather than type it. won't it, be misunderstood. It won't be mis- right, misread. Yeah, misread. And, yeah, exactly. That's a huge problem. I get in so much trouble. And I still, that being said, I don't have to use Facebook for my business because it's already so steady. So I'm not having to like rely on Facebookness. And now yeah. I can have fun with Facebook again. So it's back to like farting preachers and sarcastic humor and bitching about development. And all I saw that, that post, yeah. by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that because that's, that's what I use the I, that's what I use the the, the platform for. It I, mean, be. I, I share <laughs> I share jokes and my opinion on sports things yes. and and. Uh, I, I, that that's what I do. I, every now and again, I'll try to try to maybe have a heartfelt moment to to not necessarily change how somebody views something, but just just to let somebody understand why I feel a certain way about a, a situation to not right. be misunderstood when you can't do that verbally. Right, you, it, but, you, but you can. I mean, this is kind of the same yeah. kind of thing that I do over that, you know. But it's like it's have a conversation with your friends. I know I've got a handful of friends because it's the same people, the same twenty people like your stuff all the time. Yeah, exactly. So I know that's really who I'm talking to yeah. when I do something. So I can have some fun and just just like staying in touch with that handful of friends. Yeah, and I'm fine and, with that handful of friends. Yeah, me too. You know, and yeah, I'm fine with that. I don't, need, I don't need anything else. It's pressure when you're trying to use that platform to promote your business, and you're like, you're like, oh my god, I'm trying to do social media to build my business, and what what's happening? Because I was getting nowhere, man. Buying ads, boosting ads, set up the business page. I'm just like, dude, this is not the way to do it, man. I got. Did you post something about that earlier today? Yes. Okay, I, I remember. I I think I made a mental note to 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 bring that up. So I post. I boost a couple of posts or whatever every now and again throughout the pages that I've used. And I've done one for my YouTube channel to try to get people to subscribe. By the way, if you're watching this, click subscribe right now. <laughs> but but seriously, I, I've, I've done that several times and get like maybe four or five subscriptions out of it. Right. And then I'll do another one of, of, of different sorts of things. But the one that I've gotten the most heat or the most... Uh, not activity. Yes, yes. The most activity from was one for Sunset Grill, which is another podcast that I'm yeah. a part of. Yeah. Don't look behind you. There's a tagline that I do on the Sunset Grill that says, "Don't look behind you," because there's something there. And really, I, and that's just sort of my sort of my deal on that podcast. That's yeah. my line. <laughs> and I posted, "Don't look behind you." Period. And I boosted that post from the Sunset Grill page. Got like 30-something shares. People are viewing it as a positive thing. Like, don't look at your past. Like, don't look wow. behind you. Like, it is it like, takes take on a it, life of its yeah. own, man. It really does. You, you can't predict what's going to go viral or whatever. Yeah, you absolutely. You can't predict it. It just, did we, I mean, I, that was the thing I said about jumping out of your car while it's driving and doing a little dance and getting that yeah. in. You can't know that that's going to get 50 gazillion hits. It just kind of happens. Yeah, you know? you're more likely to uh, ruin in your car 
than you are to go viral by doing that. Right. You know, but somebody does it, and then it becomes a huge. Those thing. aren't good odds. Mm-mm. You know, the next thing you know, all kids are eating Tide Pods. You know, oh Jesus! But but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Though. Oh, I know. It's, I'm just, you just fed don't know up what's going to go with the world. Stop making stupid people famous. Jesus, ain't that the truth? Stop making stupid people famous. That's 100 percent the truth. Have real talent and something to offer for entertainment if you're going to get famous being an entertainer have something valid even something that could influence a younger person and that that can even go to are we reaching you know all age music venues i used to go to punk shows and stuff like that years before i was 21 but kids aren't doing that now i mean it's probably dangerous there wasn't the danger in the world but i was being exposed to corrosion and conformity and these metal bands and punk bands and stuff live entertainment that's what influenced me to go the road i went that that but it wasn't at bars that was relying on alcohol sales it was diy shows with three bands and a five dollar cover and three bands you know what i mean yeah, it was absolutely. like underground grassroots subculture that aren't that i don't i can't i don't see that anywhere I, yeah. where's the real estate of a building to be able to host a show like that and me and, me and scott man me and scott man talked about that in our last episode is there's just not a whole lot of very uh, places around here that are that are built for you know Cover charge, right. our, or, or our an Rockefellers, show. our Rockefellers, or our Green Streets. You know, I mean, those places. Yeah. The Lazy Eyes not here anymore. You know, and and or the the what was some of Michael Woods' places that he used to have. That's about the last time I can remember. You know, remember Michael Wood, mm. the Limelight, the Social. I remember. Uh, I, I recognize all these names, but I, I've only been in this area for around 13, 13 years. I say, I mean, was it that long ago then? I mean, that's because that's the last era that I can remember that, that if you had an original band, I mean, if the envelopes, envelopes are ever trying to play the, the Surfside, you know, on the corner of the Island Bar. Island Bar, yeah. And it's, that's not the same show that would have happened 15 years ago at one of these original rooms with two other original bands and everybody there to hear original to music. To hear original music. They didn't care. There wasn't a bar. You know, yeah. there wasn't a bar. There was water or, you know, drinks or coffee or something. I mean, it's. And it's that whole, it, it's, it's alcohol-driven. It's money, alcohol, entertainment, bars. But we lose the subcultures and the influence. For, I mean, where are we going to give these kids the influence of punk rock and music, the underground music that's going to Where are they going to get their culture? Yes. Where yes. are these kids going to get their culture? At a bar with a three-covered bar band? Yeah, and that's 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 not giving three wholesome cover, three set cover bar band. That's what I'm trying to say there. Really. Yeah, that's not giving wholesome uh, dreams to people. It can't be. And, and going back to one of, one of the things you said earlier, not stepping away from the alcohol lets makes that shine so clearly to you that that is an issue. I think that's a. I think that. That alcohol is a very driving force in, in in everything, and I don't know if it's just this area or if it's just big areas now or what the live live, live nightlife has become. Yeah. That it has to kind of be driven around alcohol. That that even they did a Hagley Landing cleanup down in Hagley in my neighborhood, you know, and it was this big thing. But oh, the community come out, we're going to clean up the landing, we're going to go up the street, and we're going to really make it look nice and shine. And then right across the bottom, I was I was like, man, I could ride my bike over there, take Roxy, we'll go and hang out. And then right across the bottom of the flyer, beer and wine will be provided for our hardworking volunteers. And I went, I'm not going to go over on a Saturday afternoon to a landing if everybody's 
going to be drinking beer and wine while they're cleaning up. I'm not, I just, I, I went, I'm not going to ride my bike and take my daughter over to that. Yeah. Cause I just, I understand that. I understand not wanting to be a part of it or be, or, or, or well, not necessarily. It's not snobbish. Want, I'm not snobbish you know, and you I'm just, not judging. You just want I'm it not. to be obvious that you don't want to subject your daughter to seeing that that's norm. That that's the norm. I mean, that's even, the norm because it's so, not. It doesn't have to be, man. You don't have to. But it's almost as if we're going to do an event. We've got to have yeah. beer and wine to get the people there because they're not going to come and sip coffee and just listen to music. I mean, or else the Fresh Brood would be packed every time they had any sort of song or anything up there. Absolutely. And I don't even know if they still do shows. I mean, or what? Or maybe you know, Phil Fox might do his random thing in there. Do you remember the living room? Yes. Miss Kathy, I yes. played at the living room for Miss Kathy for fifty bucks when I first moved down here. Like, yes, and that man. was just. Well, then Colin was there for a while too. Yeah, and Brian Brian Rossler was there. Yeah, yeah, for a while. And yeah, that's right, man. Right up there on thirty eighth. Yep. But we don't have that now. It is. It is just. And I struggle with that. You know, I stopped drinking February twenty third, two thousand and twelve, and I'm I'm kind of proud of that. I did it on my own, no AA. I wasn't an alcoholic. I didn't really drink that much to begin well with. Well done. Same it was, here. It was just. I was tired of it. You know, yeah. I recognized, too, that half a beer would change my clock, my internal clock. And so I said, I, oh, yeah. I can't. I just might as well not do it. I didn't like it enough. To, daughter was getting old. She's never. My granddad was an alcoholic. I can remember being a kid and, like, hugging my granddad and him just smelling like the beach wagon, you know. Yeah. And my daughter's never smelled that. I mean, she might, I might have smelled like pizza or something like that one time. But she's never <laughs> had that. And she's never seen Daddy with that, you know. I know that little shit-eating grin I get when I have a couple beers. And I'm like, hey, I've seen some little pictures. Yeah. And I'm... And she's never seen that in her life. It's funny. You can see a picture of yourself and be like, wow, I'm fucked up right there. Yeah. It's so funny you can yes. see that in your on your face. So that was my driving force. That was my driving force, and and what I struggle with now are finding places that I can go. That's not. I mean, I was in Lowe's, and they have a bar in Lowe's, grocery shopping, and a dude was standing in front of us with his plastic cup of beer, and he was being all loud and bouncing around, and backed up like that, and a drop of beer went on my daughter's foot, standing in front of me buying fucking groceries, and I said, "This is a problem," and it pissed me off, and. That's probably one of the first times Roxy saw me get real shitty. I mean, the manager came out and everything, and I was like, dude, you're about to regret this. You know, yeah. I was dead serious. I mean, I puffed up and got punk rock there real quick. He was just a drunk old golfer, you dude. And he was like, rrr, rrr, rrr. spilled beer and never didn't apologize. Looked back and just kind of looked back around. And I went, hey. <laughs> you know, it's like. Yeah. And, it, and that was when I really went, you can't do anything around here that's not alcohol driven and it started just kind of so pissing sad. me off you know that where is our alternative i don't care that you drink i don't care the bar, there's plenty of bars and i just won't go to them it's yeah. fine i don't care that they exist but give me the alternative give me somewhere to go where's my coffee house with the singer songwriters where's my other and that's that's what i don't see coming here well tommy you should just open it well I, i'm not in a position to open that one should already exist we got 50 gazillion places to go get alcohol right unfortunately, now unfortunately just like your lady at warner brothers said that just doesn't the sell minor, records minority you know it's, you got to give them you got to give them what they want I know or it. you won't make be able to stay in business you can't exactly it's a shame and, hmm. <laughs> 
there it is. That's the bitch. And I'm not judging. And please, yeah, all of my friends that drink don't call at times. You think you're better because you don't drink it, just like you went through. And we've, we've, uh, yeah, we, everybody who's, who choice. stops goes through that. You know, yeah. This is just me. And, and I grew up with alcoholic granddad and a lot of drugs and alcohol in my family. I mean, 70s, my, you know, there were pills and liquor galore, you know, and, and I yeah. grew up with that around me. And my granddad died very young because of it, you know, and, and so it's, it is, a, I see how bad, and I put all of our friends in the ground. I mean, Wes Longer's probably start going down the list of my friends from high school that died because of drugs and alcohol, you know, and, and man, I'm 48 and let's, you know, let's go skateboarding right now. I mean, I feel great. You know, it's, I'm able to do these drum gigs. I'm able to start another career. I don't think yeah. I would have been able to start another career if I was still drinking wild turkey and writing country songs every night, you know? Yeah. You have no idea how, how much that does one to your body. Like your organs are just yes. not good when you're ingesting that much alcohol, but it's really takes a bad toll on your brain. Yeah. And to yeah. where you're not able, it fools you into thinking that you're not able to do things that you indeed can do. It's, I mean, you're exactly right, man. You get it. And and I don't care that the other is there. I just miss having my places. You know, I can't take my daughter to go hear a good little original band at an all-age show when she's yeah. 14. <clears throat> there's nothing. There's nowhere here for that. Mm-mm. And that's, that's what makes me sad. It's oh, a bummer, man. Okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> you you have done you you've done a good job though at like sticking to and I said this in the last episode you've done a really good job of sticking to what you believe and uh, thank you and to st- hanging strong when uh, lesser people would have bowed out already and just bit back into the world but you've stayed really strong on that and I, I truly admire that well this is another transition and that's why i wanted to use your podcast to kind of to get my point across of you know and and there's there may be some flack for me leaving the spasmatics i mean i was with him a long time but, you know but those are my reasons man and and i witnessed it go down a couple of levels you know and lose what it originally was and it's like for me a band like that with that kind of backing should continue to go up until we're only playing PWE huge money shows even if yeah. it's only a couple of months you go out would you rather play every weekend every Thursday Friday and Saturday for 150 bucks a night or would you rather play twice a month for and your cut's going to be 2500 3000 dollars for twice a month <laughs> i'm choosing the twice a month work work smarter not harder it's yeah. that simple and i know that gigs like that exist and you know i, I know that they exist in this country maybe not in Charleston. maybe in charleston you know not often you know, that, that that might creep into this area one day yeah but i mean it, it'll take Corporate events, private events, yeah. big weddings, you know, I mean, you get with a, I mean, weddings are huge money and they're early and you play about two hours worth of live music and yeah. you make a thousand bucks for, in your home by 10 o'clock. I did a bunch of those. And I mean, yes. let's do those instead of, you know, Tracy's two tavern in North Charleston. It's about as big as this room for 130 bucks a piece. And I just said that and, and that, but that's, that's why, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to do that. And I was seeing more of the latter come in because yeah, we, we were getting less of the $1,000 and up gigs. So, therefore, we were starting to get more of the $130, $150 gigs. And I'm like, I can't. I just I got to I gotta zip this and slice it right now. I'm not going back down that road. Pull the needle out. You know, he, 
exactly. I, I can't be behind that kind and just the partying on stage and all that. Maybe I talked about earlier. It's yeah. like it's it turns you off. It turns you off, man. It really does. It, it, when you get to a point where something that you love to do is the passion is being robbed because of something going on in the group, then it's time to one either revisit what is going on in the group or revisit your involvement in said group. And and Cornbread went through that over the last few months and like it's gotten to where you know it's it's a little bit more enjoyable to play gigs when when everybody's on the same page exactly and there's a drummer out there and there's multi drummers in in that town that will happily play five nights a week for 150 dollars a night yeah right there and deal with whatever and sleep all day and get to the gig and that's and that's who needs to be in that gig now you know yeah and i've just Got to set that level and stick to it. The only way you do what you just said, the only way you can do it and stick by it and stick by your guns and hold tight is stick by your guns and stick it and hold tight. You know, and just not do it. Don't just, compromise. Just, yeah. don't, be stubborn don't as hell. Dude. Don't break. Be stubborn. Stay stubborn, man. Fuck like it, man. I've already pissed everybody off. That's what makes you you, man. <laughs> just just be just not and I'm not this not stubborn, but just stick it to your guns. Yeah, like hey. like that's one thing that you've always done that I I I, I couldn't understand how you did it. I, me neither. <laughs> But well whatever done. Well whatever, done. Whatever on it is it, I did, you know. But but anyway, come you know, hair hair, hair is on. Hair yeah, is going and to I say, will cut it and color it. Hair color trends. Yeah, it's right by Food Line where seven oh seven comes Mink out. There. Avenue Mink on Avenue on one side. Yeah. I believe that is called. They're doing some craziness over there and it's really helping the Dude. business over there. It's crazy it's busy. I mean it's real steady. Dude, the um that I'm so glad they're fixing that little uh, that used to be like driving oh, over man. a mountain yes, to get gosh, into food yes. line because yeah, I'll go, I'll do the Walmart thing because I'm not so against that because it's simple and yeah, cheap I'm and down, I'm man. down with that. But it's I'm here. Gonna, I mean, it's it's one of our resources. You yeah. can't boycott everywhere. Believe me, if I boycott everywhere, I wanted to because of my fundamentals. I would stay at home all day. Right. You know. Same here, man. But yeah, <laughs> I, hitting up that food line, man. I, I really like not having to drive over a mountain whenever they get done with it. But anyway, yeah. we're here to talk about roads. Hair Trends by Food Line, Mink Avenue, Merle's Inlet, South Carolina. Go see Tommy. Indeed. Uh, and you suggested that the listeners listen to Nico Case and Robbie Folks. Any yes. particular album by either one of those? I mean, you can't go wrong with any Nico. I like uh, Robbie Folks has some stuff from that 90. We were kind of talking about that era, but there's this Let's Kill Saturday Night record that was his kind of his Nashville attempt. And yeah. It's just a really good rocking It'll surprise you, you know, and you're like, it could come out today and be really fresh, you know. But it came out a long time ago, and good luck finding a copy of it, I guess. Yeah, it's right. on YouTube or somewhere, you know. Surely. The internet exists. You can find anything, <laughs> yeah. right? No, I'm kidding, man. I think it was on a page. I think it was on Geffen or something, you know, so it's it's out there. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, dude, fantastic talk. Always a good time getting you in here. Right on there. That was a good one. We tried twice earlier, and it didn't work. I know, man. I was, and that was a good one. We had to warm up to it. That's right. But uh, anyway, good people of the world. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please go to the Facebook page. Like our Facebook page. I'm going to sound like such a Facebook whore asking if you can like this. Or go to Instagram. And go to the Instagram. The go to the Instagram and the Twitters and click all the like things. And the shitters and the Twitters. Yeah, all of them. I have, and I have all of those for the podcast. I seriously do. And I'm got always you. plugging them in. You got to do it because I want to use this tool to its optimal 
right. potential. And to do that, you have to do those things. That's a so, yeah. necessary evil. <laughs> right, it is a necessary evil. Tommy Tipton, ladies and gentlemen, out here we got got the got the headphones on. I get, he's the first he's the first person who's like, uh, oh, sorry. Sorry. No, he was the first person who said, "Hey man, are you dead?" <laughs> <laughs> and I don't I realize, said, they were bad. I don't I realize like, how shit, loud man. I listen to things, but I guess I might be dead. Anyway. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I love you. Be good people. In a world full of shitty people trying to be shit people, don't be those people. Be good people. Wave back to the YouTube world. Click the links at the bottom of the page, ladies and gentlemen. Click the links at the bottom of the page. Love you. Mean it. Be good. <laughs> Holy shit. That's funny. I don't try to piss people